the Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just feels like a prince. Welcome, Jacob. Yes, yeah, sometimes, and then, you know, some little brat shows up and takes all my glory. <laughs> but then he throws you your stick. Yeah, that's true. Then he gets a little Catch. better. Okay. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> I can't help it. Anytime there's a dog, I think, oh, look, there's something. There's my, there's my uh, thing for Jacob. There's this a week. big stick for Jacob. <laughs> Sorry, my puns are easy because if there's a dog, boom, there we go. Exactly. Why thank you, Lemus, our co-host, a man who just keeps running to ancestors for some weird reason. Welcome, Drew. Yeah, that is weird. I don't understand that at all. But anyway, yeah, yeah we are reviewing today a movie that just that we thought was on Netflix. We thought it was going to be on Netflix for a while. Yeah, and it left Wednesday. Today. So yeah, that was a bit of a rush to get that watched in time. Yes. We're going to have to pay, yes, that, that was, pay, pay to rent it. Yeah, that was one of those where Drew texted me uh, because I had gone to Oklahoma for a trip. Yeah. And, and I was up in Linda visiting parents. And I got home like Monday mm-hmm. and was checking. Like I said, oh, okay, oh, uh, double check that it's on Netflix. You mm-hmm. know, it's just weird things happen. Exactly. We had, we had all checked all run- that out back yeah. in... Uh, was it February when, yeah. was, when we were setting this part of the schedule yeah. up? I thought, let's well, just make sure it's there. You know, I don't really want to watch it right now, but you know, end of the day, I'm trying to make sure everything's good for the rest True. of the week. And I see, oh, it and the last day to watch is May 31st. That's Wednesday. Yeah. I hope Jacob knows. <laughs> I'm very thankful you sent me that send me that information. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's watch Mariah. You get that done really quick. It's not like it's gone from forever and we can't find it anywhere. It is still available yeah, to on rent. St- yeah, on streaming platforms. On other streaming platforms, but you have to rent it. Yeah. Now. Pay three, your $3.99. Yeah, $3.49, actually. Whatever it is. You yeah. can watch it on YouTube now. Yeah. If you pay for it. Yeah, if you pay for it. But anyway, yeah, we are reviewing that tonight. You have uh, anything before we jump into the spoiler-free section? Uh, <sighs> nope. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. Yeah, this is my first viewing. Same. I, I think this came out, what, in 2018? Yeah, 2018. I remember Netflix advertising it, but I just never got around to it. It was one of those, like, oh, yeah, Netflix is always throwing anime up there. We'll have plenty of mm-hmm. stuff to review. Because this will be around. When it went up, we were in the, the early planning stages of the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew about this. I knew nothing about it. Yeah. In fact, I kept looking at the next like Mirai. What on earth is Mirai? Mm-hmm. Is this about the wind? Mm. And no one's going to get that joke. No. There's an old a musical. I don't remember the name of it. And one of the songs in it is they call the wind Mariah. Hmm. Anyway, not that that matters. Right. So, yeah, I, I thought this was an interesting film. Uh, it's not the kind of thing I would normally watch, I don't think, because mm. it's. Just a little, it, it, it kind of has feelings of Miyazaki. It does. In a way, but it goes full hosted up by the end of it. Yes. 
Agreed. Uh, it, but I think, yeah, it's not the kind of thing I would normally watch myself just because it's all you're, you're, you're watching a movie about a young boy. Yeah. Getting into trouble. It's like, I don't know if I have that kind of time in my life to kind of devote to that mm-hmm. unless there's a good reason. So, yeah. Mirai, interesting, interesting little tale. Agreed. There was, I, I will give it this and we'll talk, talk more about it later. I did not see parts of it coming. Really? For a little bit. Okay. There, it was things, there's like, like, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to it, obviously. Yes. But the first time we go into his imagination. Yes. And he's talking to the guy in the yellow suit. I'm going, yeah. I know who you are. Who are you? <laughs> it's like, I rec- I know that this, I, I go, oh, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Br- that's brilliant. Is this whole thing going to be about him and his friend here? Yeah. No, it's not. not. It's like, and then someone else pops up. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. So yeah, this is an interesting little film, actually. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, <clears throat> again, first time watching this, uh, I think I put. I think I was one to put it on the list because uh-huh. I saw it and I was like, "Ooh, I like this director." And I realized, well, okay, it's who the director is, and I've always liked his stories to an extent, and. Um, this was an interesting little story. I thought the when you get into the story, be like I I thought is like okay, this is gonna be a really short film because be like you get this one scene where I'm not describing anything, but it's just like okay, we get to this one point, and it's like okay, they wrap it up in a nice little bun. And it's like okay, that's the end of the movie, and then nope, it, <laughs> nope, it continues to go it's forward, like, forward, uh, and forward. Uh, it's okay. like okay. Uh, it's like one. I'm getting tired of this. I I think at one point I said, "Be like you movie. You literally. I am disengaging with this movie already." One of the things that 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 will throw you off in the beginning of this mm-hmm. is the fact that while there is a single cohesive story across the whole movie, yes, it's kind of episodic, and it's got like four or five yeah episodes of stories throughout it. Yeah, it's not quite as uh episodic as say uh my neighbors the amadas was Mm -hmm. that's the only other thing i can think of off the top of my head that was like this uh but it's it is like five stories and it feels like they don't have anything to do with each other yeah there's not there's no interlink other than it just happened they all happen to come around at the same time and it's about really it's about this boy growing up growing up and having to learn to be a big brother yeah and that it's all going to be okay even though his He's got a little sister now. He's gonna. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Which I have absolutely no way of actually uh, (laughs) uh, touching with. If you catch my meaning, right? I have. I am an only child. Yeah. So I, unlike myself, I have two younger siblings. You actually can probably relate to Coon in some degree. Uh, to some degree. I didn't say completely. Yeah, but to some degree, you can understand his feelings a lot faster than I could. I'd be like, if. If I would have acted like a uh, coon, well, yeah, we you, uh, we'd have got our butt whooped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that would have been no. I'm not going to go whining and crying off to the corner and do what I want. It'd been literally like, nope, you're getting a paddle. Yeah, Boop, uh, done. I'll, I'll go ahead and give the special warning to Francisco of the Retro Rewind Podcast. <laughs> you will hate this film <laughs> because even though the kid gets his comeuppance, he doesn't get enough of it to no. account for. No, what kind of, he doesn't get enough coincident uh, coincidence. 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, consequences for yeah. his actions. Yeah. I'm sorry. The long black train. More on that later. Yeah. Uh, is not enough consequence. No, it's not. For his actions. Like, yeah, but, he, he redeems himself a little bit. Right. At the right. same time, it's like, okay, we see, you know, yeah, late, late in a, another section of the movie where it's like, oh, okay, we see another version of him. I'm like, great. Did he actually grow up? No, he did not. <laughs> Apparently. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we will we get, get there? there. When do we get there? Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. In fact, why don't we just go ahead and start working our way that direction? Yeah, let's start, you know, spoiler of this, this movie. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film Mirai. Listener discretion is advised. I want attention! <laughs> we know. We know you do. <laughs> anyway, Mirai was written and directed by Mamoru Hosoda, who, of course, was one of the directors of Digimon and Summer Wars mm -hmm. and Bell mm -hmm. and the girl who leapt through, through time. time. Oh, there's another the stupid picture. <laughs> More on that later <laughs> as we go back through season one. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, what was the other one that he did? Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. I think it actually was all of the ones we've we've covered so yeah, far. Yeah, lead through time. Which boy, you can he does use the same stinking he visuals. Does. Yes, he does. <laughs> over and over again for different things. Hey, so, some artists love aesthetics fair, and fair. be like, this is apparently his aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. This was written and directed by him. Mm -hmm. uh, getting into the cast, Kun Ota, who as a kid was played by Jaden Waldman. And he played a little boy named Mendel in The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Okay. Kun Ota as an adult for what? Two lines? Two lines. <laughs> no. Uh, three. I'm three. sorry. It was he has three, three lines. lines. He has three lines. <laughs> yeah, it was Evan Smith who played a character named Zeno in the video game in the game series Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel. Yes, that's the full name of the series. That doesn't surprise me in the least nowadays. It's too, uh, the problem is, is there's one series and then the series within that series. Ah. One of those kind of things. Anyway, Mirai Ota, specifically the one from the future, because that was Surprise! literally just a sound effect for the kid. Yeah. <laughs> for the baby version. Mm -hmm. uh, in the, of course, we're looking at English stuff here. Uh, she was played by Victoria Grace who played a character named Susan in School of Rock, the TV series. Oh, okay. I'd never seen the School of Rock movie. I didn't realize there was the a TV series. The movie is good. I like suggest the movie. Father was played by John Cho. And, of course, he was Hikaru Sulu in the Abrams vs. Star Trek films. That's right. That's where I recognize him from. Mm -hmm. uh, the mother was played by Rebecca Hall, and she played Sarah in The Prestige. Oh, okay. The mother as a child. That was interesting. Was played by Madigan Kakmar. And in the television series Bat Wheels, she plays BB. Yes. I know. I know there's one. Yes, that this exists apparently. Yeah, Bat Wheels. Bat Wheels, a television show about the Batmobile, if it was a living talking creature. Yeah, for little kids. For little kids. And mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this exists. Mm-hmm uh yuko the dog <laughs> oh my gosh Yuko <laughs> was played by crispin freeman oh and he played alucard in helsing ultimate we have a vampire hunter playing a dog wait a minute wait a minute wait yes a minute. in helsing ultimate specifically i don't know about the original helsing Cr crispin freeman 
Crispin Freeman. Okay, got yeah. it. He does a lot of anime. Okay, he well, was, never mind. He was a. I, uh, I thought you said Crispin Glover, and I was like, no, wait no, a minute. No, no, Crispin Freeman. Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Grandmother was played by Eileen Takei, and in something called Happy Holidays, which looked to be not a uh, Hallmark Channel original Christmas film, looked to be something very akin to it. Hmm. <laughs> she played a character named Mrs. Richardson. Ah. Grandmother, as a when she was the mother of the mom when the mom was a kid. Oh, that okay. particular version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was played by Valerie Arem. And in the video game Persona 4, she played Naoto Shiragane. The grandfather was played by Victor Brandt. Hmm. He was in an episode of Star Trek, the original series. Really? He played a space hippie named Tongo Rad from that stupid episode. What episode is that? The Way to Eden. <laughs> and literally, they are hippies. They are 60s era hippies. Well, but, it was made in the 60s. Well, yes, but I mean, they're like, they, they're space yes. hippies. Yes. It's like, they look like they could have been hired right off the street. <laughs> this guy specifically, Tongo Rad, has a picture of a grape on his forehead. Like, drawn on his forehead. Oh, it's like, not a tattoo or anything? No, it's not, it may have been supposed to have been a tattoo, but <laughs> it, you can tell it was makeup. Oh, my gosh. In, in, on that. Anyway. Right. Great grandfather, who we of course saw as a young adult, mm -hmm. fresh out of World War II, mm -hmm. was played by Daniel Day Kim, and he was he is playing Fire Lord Ozai in the upcoming Avatar: Last Airbender live action show. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. And then the great grandmother was played by Stephanie Shea, who played Mitsuha in Your Name. Oh, okay, gotcha. You want to take a guess as to how many Kingdom Hearts connections I have? Oh, um, I'm going to go generous and five. Nope. It is actually two. Two. Okay. Starting with the Japanese connection. Okay. Tasuku Hatanaka played mm. a male high school student in this. And uh, in Kingdom Hearts 3, he plays Yozora, a knockoff of every Final Fantasy hero ever made okay <laughs> during the toy story level for the video game that they you keep running around and seeing in the toy store hmm. but there is actually a whole thing because yazora is actually going to be a major character later on because kingdom hearts is like that hmm. also crispin freeman really yeah of course you go in this he played uh setzer garabani one of the final fantasy cameos hmm. and he was will turner in this game. guy does a Orlando Bloom impression that I honestly did not realize it wasn't Orlando Bloom. Wow. Okay. When I first played the game. Wow. But that's this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my Kingdom Hearts connections. Nice. Hi, Paul. Yeah. So, what do we got in info and stuff? So, info and stuff. It has an INDB score of 7 out of 10. Uh, it was available to watch on Netflix. Sad. But currently, you can watch it on YouTube for three three thirty nine of all prices it uh, is what it is all right production was studio chuzu yes as chizu chizu i was close Chuzu. Yeah, it's, it's chizu that's actually the name of the main character from uh, the girl who left her time oh yeah chizu. that's where the name came from oh okay i thought so because like yeah. that, that's still that's the logo that's what i thought yeah. 
I was like, wait a minute, I recognize the studio. The studio. I was yeah. like, All right, so distribution was Toho. Uh, release date. Uh, can you guess where this movie first viewed? Was first Sundance. Viewed? Eh, wrong. Uh, Tokyo, not Tokyo. Um, Toronto International Film Festival. Eh, wrong again. Uh, right. <laughs> can't think of any other festivals. All right. Directors Fortnite. Don't even know what that is. Me either. <laughs> Where is that? Uh, very good question. I can't pick it, but it was anyway. Way. Anyways, someplace. Go right, check it out. So, so uh, yeah, if you guys want to go check it out, uh, go uh, go Google that. Uh, uh, at that director's fortnight, it was May 16th, 2018, and it was in Japan, uh, July 20th, 19 or 19, eight, eight, I can't get my years right, 2018. Yes. Uh, box office, uh, it had a, I don't even have a budget, so we'll just go from there. Uh, opening for U.S. and Canada was oh, Canada $63,000 and change on December 3rd of the same year. Uh, it's U.S. and Canada gross was $812,000 and it's worldwide gross was $28.7 million. Home release, it hasn't had one yet. Really? Yeah, because oh, yeah, it was put directly to Netflix. It went to Netflix, and they ha- and probably it can't G Kids because G Kids has the rights to it. If yeah, that's off from that uh, the opening correctly. Yeah, they probably legally couldn't do anything until it left Netflix. Yeah, and so probably we will get in the last- get a release here in the next couple months. Probably, probably. Uh, and the show factor gets on the ball, mm-hmm. and there's no sequel to this, far as I understand. So that not is, unless you count Bell, that, that would have been the next. Movie that is true. On. Yeah, Bell would have been the next 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 movie. We already reviewed that. So if you're going to listen to our yes. re- our review of Bell, go check that out. Yes, it's definitely not a tale as old as time. No, but it copied one. It did. <laughs> I just realized it's not a tale as old as time. Tale as old as time, but it is a tribute. It is a very to, to make to <laughs> modify a. Tenacious D song. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, all right. so that's all I have for an info and stuff. All right, getting into the summary. Coon is a four-year-old boy born to an executive mother and architect father. The family lives in a stepped house in Kanazawaku, Yokohama, that Coon's father designed around a tree, where Coon spends his days playing with the family dog Yuko and his toy train sets. Coon's sister Mirai, Japanese for future, is born, and he is happy at first, but soon grows jealous when his parents focus all their attention on her. He lashes out at his parents, especially when the father becomes a work-at-home parent, conducting remote work while his mother returns to the office. After one such tantrum, Kuhn stomps off to the house's garden, where he meets a strange man who claims to be the prince of the house. As the man whines about how he lost all of the attention when Kuhn was born, Kuhn realizes that the man is actually Yuko, turned into a human. He <laughs> finds Yuko's tail on the man, when he removes it and plays on himself, he transforms into a dog. And literally, I thought that was the beginning of the actual story. And he was going to have to be, be a dog. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I honestly thought. back up with Yuko. Yeah. That is, and then it just ends. I was like, <laughs> like what? what the crud? 
on oh, I'm gonna mess the, this the word this word up Hina Matsuri or Girls Day. Mm-hmm. The family set up the traditional dolls to wish Mirai good luck. Kuhn's father neglects to put the dolls away after the holiday ends. Frustrated with his family, Kuhn runs back to the garden. This time he meets a 14-year-old girl who claims to be Mirai from the future, whom Kuhn is able to recognize by the birthmark on her right hand. She has somehow come back in time, concerned because every day the dolls are not put away adds one year before she can marry. That is apparently a thing in Apparently Japan. it is. Future Mirai is able to put the dolls away with Kuhn and humanize Yuko's help. Kuhn's mother shows him photos of herself when she was Kuhn's age, but he continues to give his mother a hard time. In the garden again, he is transported years back to the past. In town, he runs into a little girl whom he recognizes from the photos of his, as his mother. The girl is angry at her grandmother for refusing to give her a pet cat. Kuhn's mother leaves a note inside her grandmother's shoe asking her for a pet cat. And then this, they return. This Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And then decides to destroy the entire house. <laughs> they return home where the little girl dumps toys all over the floor and food all over the table. Her mother, Kuhn's grandmother, furiously scolds the girl as she sobs. Kuhn returns to the present and now shows sympathy for his mother, but continues to complain about everything. Mm-hmm. Kuhn leaves a note mm-hmm. asking for a bicycle in his mom's shoes and gets a bicycle with training wheels for a present but wants to learn how to ride without the wheels after seeing the older kids. Mm -hmm. His father helps him, but Kuhn seems unable to keep the bike upright. He goes back to the garden where he is transported to the past, this time in a workshop in rural Japan. Mm -hmm. A young man with an injured leg takes Kuhn on a ride on one of the horses near his shop, then on his motorcycle. Back in the present, Kuhn successfully rides his bike using what he learned. Kuhn's mother shows some photos revealing the man to be his great-grandfather who had died just recently. The family decides to go on a day trip. Kuhn once again throws a fit over his outfit. In the garden, he finds a train station, the, Iso- the Isogo station. An 18-year-old man warns him not to board the train, but Kuhn disobeys him. Go figure. The train takes him to Tokyo Station, where he panics after being alone. He finds an attendant who needs the name of a relative to call, and Kuhn realizes that he doesn't even know the names of his own parents. Just, just for just for reference, be like when I was when I was Coon's age. I think he's like four, mm-hmm. like four or five years old. Be like, I knew my father's name was Jimmy. I knew my mother's name was Betsy. <laughs> I knew my parents' names were Mike and Carla. Yeah, because I'd heard people call them that <laughs> over the years, and I'm not so stupid not to realize that was their names. Yeah, Coon, are you not paying attention? No, he's too much whining about my life. <laughs> the attune, the attendant sends Coon to a bullet train telling him that if he can't find anyone to pick him up, he must board the train and to take him to the Lonely Land. You know what? I'm just going to say this because this is what this... Well, basically, it's hell. Exactly. (laughs) We're going to send the kid to hell. On a freight train. There's a long black train coming down the line. Coon spots (laughs) baby Mariah about to board the train and rescues her. He does one thing right. Or once. At this point, he finally acknowledges that he is her older brother. Baby Mariah disappears, and future Mariah arrives to take Kuhn home by flying through the air. They land in the tree, which houses the family's past. Kuhn sees his father was physically too weak to ride a bike when he was young, that Yuko left his mother to become a pet, that Kuhn's mother stopped liking cats when she saw a stray one kill a bird, and that World War II left his great-grandfather's leg injured. 
and too slow to beat Coon's great grandmother in the race that she proposed to win her she proposed to win her hand in marriage. Coon also sees the future and discovers that the man at Isago Station is future Coon. Back in the present, Coon, now more open-minded, goes on the trip with his family in his stupid blue pants. Mm-hmm. I say that because he was throwing a fit because it wasn't the yellow ones. Yeah. Coon, you're an idiot. You're a kid, a, but you're he's, an idiot. He's a spoiled little brat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Getting into the trivia. This is the first Japanese animated film that is not a Studio Ghibli production nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature. I heard about this, yeah. Makoto Tenjiri designed the family house to have stairs and different levels as a key feature. A child will be able to see the bottom room clearly from the garden, but an adult will only be able to see what's right in front of them. Mm. The child's view will change as he grows up. Hmm. The name of the sister's character, Mirai, uh, is also the name of Mamoru Hosoda's own daughter. Really? In fact... Mamoru Hosoda based the appearances of Mirai and Kuhn on his two children and had his children model for the animators. That makes sense. Mamoru Hosoda said that the film draws from his real children. He had no siblings, so it was a new experience for him to see the jealousy that an older child feels when a baby arrives. Yeah. Makoto Tanjiri, who I mentioned earlier, is an architect by trade who was brought onto the film specifically to design the family's home. Hmm. And Yuko, the dog in his human form, identifies himself as the prince when his name actually translates to snow. So he's he's a snow dog. Yeah, he's John Snow. <laughs> you know nothing, John Snow. <laughs> and that's about all I know from that Go particular television th- series. Anywho, yes. Jacob, what's your first like for this film? My first like would when we're introduced to uh, uh, the dog. Yes. Because I'll admit, I was taken aback. It's like, yes, to his human you? form. Who yeah. are you? It's like, you're in a suit. You're you're proper gentleman. Yeah. Who are, are you? And why are you acting like you? I was literally thinking, is this like the cat returns? Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. And be like, okay, so you get all these like almost montages of mm-hmm. what's going on in uh, in Coon's little world when he goes out in the, 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 the back back front yard, whatever it is. The garden. I'm just garden. calling it the garden. Yeah, it makes sense. The garden. And so we get to uh, the the like who the the who the 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 house pet is. Yeah, his his. his you realize he's the dog and go. Oh, oh that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and so the way he's talking about everything, it's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. He's talking about Coon's parents. Yeah. He's talking about when Coon came in the house and now he gets neglected. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense because I thought it was like, wow, that's a really cool. That was a really really cool moment. Um. That they they bring up, it's like okay, the they are or Coon in his imagination, mm-hmm. or we learn later, it's the the family tree for some reason. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, um, but somehow, what's the dog's name? Yuko. Yuko. Yuko is in in his own you know doggy mind. He's a human. That it's a prince. Well, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I see this. I I I personally enjoy that part. So yeah, I thought it was. I thought the. Most of the sequences mm-hmm. are very good. Let's say that. I will say this since they went with the dog instead of the cat. Yeah. This dog acts like how we assume cats would be like if they were humanized. Yeah. Because let's say not not trying to belittle dogs or people who I associate with dogs. Yeah. Hey, not taking. <laughs> I think. 
<laughs> I'm not. This is not you. I'm just saying, in general, the way dogs as humans are normally betrayed, <laughs> betrayed, betray, portrayed, portrayed, portrayed. I said betrayed. That's yeah. not what I meant. Portrayed by betrayer as kind of big dumb goofs. Even unless they're chihuahuas, and then they are little mean little snots <laughs> that deserve to be kicked. Hey. Some chihuahuas are not bad. I'm saying how it's normally put. I, I agree. Portrayed, I agree. I agree. This is not a judgment on dogs. <laughs> canine kind has nothing to worry about from me. I am an ally of canine kind. Except he's more except, of a cat person. A feline person. Anyway, I'm saying normally, if you have a character yes. who, uh, who isn't a pet, mm -hmm. who identifies as a prince, mm -hmm. it would normally be a cat. Yeah, fair. And Yuko, it makes sense that he would consider himself a mm -hmm. prince in this yeah. instance. Because, I mean, he's a lap dog. He's kind of like the closest a dog can be to a cat. Yep, true. In terms of but what I appreciated, not just the character in human form, both his appearances, mm -hmm. but the fact that if you watch the dog mm -hmm. after oh, that, yeah. he... You you can tell this is still the same person. Yeah. Because the dog is still he's looking still at him like, I hate you. I hate you, but I will fetch the dog. I will fetch the stick, but I hate you. <laughs> it's like I like used to be loved. I used to get the good dog food, and then you were bored. <laughs> oh yes, I'll go fetch the stick. <laughs> but he has that look to it. I agree. The whole I love time, the and I'm watching, going, "Yeah, the dog is really pissed at you right now." <laughs> Just a little bit. When the dog thinks you're being a some spoiled of us brat, are too. When the dog thinks you're being a spoiled brat, yeah, then you might be a spoiled brat. brat. When the dog thinks it's a prince and it thinks you're a spoiled brat, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. Oh my god! So gosh. I appreciate not just I, I'm kind of jumping off yours. Yes, but uh, not just that moment. But I like the entire performance of Yuko throughout the oh, whole. Oh yes, film because yes. there's never a point when that dog breaks character and acts like you know a, a normal dog he's like yeah. always in character throughout the whole thing <laughs> yes i agree he has a, he's never a background element like so many pets mm -hmm. are for most of the time they're on right. screen mm -hmm. he is le legitimately a character throughout the whole thing and the camera even follows him when he when coon is being a, a nuisance mm -hmm. and you could just read what's on that dog's mind <laughs> you like, know what he's I thinking i hate you you're getting yourself into trouble <laughs> It's like, why do I have to follow this stupid human around? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I, I appreciated because uh, I realized that here's the thing. I was watching the scene mm -hmm. introduced to him. I was like, where are we going with this? Who is this? This is obviously the start of this is the magical beginning of yeah. this whole thing. Mm -hmm. What is I, I'm, I'm looking going, what's the shtick? Who is this character? Is this character going to be taking our character on mm -hmm. a trip? Is Kuhn going to do something stupid that's going to keep this going? Yes and no, mm -hmm. <laughs> because he that coon does do something stupid, except that he doesn't go anywhere Where? other than he's gonna pretend to be a dog for, I assume, an afternoon. Yeah, and then he's gonna go back to human. Grant, I freaking love this that whole thing is in is in coon's imagination. Yeah, this kid is like Japanese Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, yeah, I agree. Except Calvin never had a had a uh, a sibling, so. We don't know how jealous Calvin would have gotten. Yeah. So, although Calvin was not a fan of girls, hmm. he well, was the founding and 
member and president of the Get Rid of Slimy Girls Club, aka Gross. My gosh, I, I think I think his attitude would change a little bit later in life. Hopefully, <laughs> more than likely, because it's very painfully obvious he's in love with Susie Durkins. Ah, uh, okay. But anyway, yeah. that, enough Calvin and Hobbes here. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love the dog and how yes. you can tell throughout the whole thing. It's yes. the dog never breaks character. Yes, I agree. Because I half expected, like I said, half expected watching this at some point, the dog was just going to be a background element and was mm-hmm. going to be forgotten about. I expected him to disappear from the story and never. Yeah, come back. Agreed. agreed. And he never did. He appeared when it made sense and was just not on screen when it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. He was never just a background element. Yeah. Anyway. What's your second like? So the this kind of ties back in with what you were talking about. So we we have this this amazing dog, this amazing dog mm-hmm. who believes he's a prince. Well, obviously, he is kind of a prince, and um, and then you get the introduction of uh, Mariah. Am I saying that right? Yes, Mariah. Mar- Mariah's future self and their their whole journey in order to because me. Me personally, be like, I'm watching this first one. It's okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. They cut to another scene. I'm like, okay, this should have been the whole story, but it's not. No, it's so then we, we get introduced to the more teenage Mariah about middle school. I would about assume. middle school. She's wearing a, what I would consider a stereotypical Japanese middle school uniform. Okay. So preteen or like, yeah, preteen, yeah. Teen, tween or whatever. But, uh, but uh, so we're just her, and it's like okay, we've got to get rid of these these dolls, which apparently are a Japanese it's Japanese house, tradition, Japanese tradition, and we got to get rid of them before, before I can get married. So we get this whole elaborate thing. So the dog gets involved, and Coon's involved. That was fun to watch. That was so much fun. I was like, especially when they're trying to find the one doll's uh, walking stick or walking wand stick, or whatever it's, it's it was, on the father's and it's pants. on the father's behind because <laughs> he sat on it. And it's just the, the, the oh my gosh, it was it was so good, it was so good, and then it ends. I'm like, okay, good movie. We're okay. going to another segment. Okay, like, okay. Now what's going on? Um, oh, the mother, <laughs> the mother. Okay. okay. So yeah, I, I I again I enjoy that segment. I enjoy the the interaction between all three characters trying to uh, successfully uh, dismantle the um, the the doll display. For future Karai, Karai, Marai, we're not talking turtles here. Marai can get married in the future. Mm-hmm. For uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's like it's similar it's, to like the superstition yeah, of whoever whoever uh, catches the bouquet at the wedding is yeah. the next one to marry. Yeah. When you're that age, you can kind of yeah. I can follow why you'd be worried. It's like oh, we left that out for a couple days after mm-hmm. it was supposed to be put up and that's now additional three or four years until i can get married yeah and it's like how do you prove or disprove that you can't it's all superstition yeah agreed so it's like i understand if you had a way to come back to the past mm-hmm. and get it fixed thinking that would fix your problem especially in this kind of story where yeah. that stuff more agreed. often than not is true in the context of the story yeah i can see why you do that yeah at the same time i'm sitting there going why can Mariah do this? Mm-hmm. And do I trust her? Mm. Anyway. So yeah, the the two first stories I really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I actually really enjoyed the story with the grandfather. The oh, grandfather, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because 
I, admittedly, I was thrown off at the start of it because, you know, he's complaining about the bike ride, right? Mm-hmm. And he, of course, runs into the garden, for lack of a better term, where the tree is. Yeah. And it's like, and, and you see the glow effect that signifies mm-hmm. we're heading into the kid's imagination, mm-hmm. which the farther and farther this goes is no longer the kid's imagination. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now. <laughs> It starts off like I can follow that this is this kid's imagination. Mm-hmm. But by the time we get to this story, this is not just the kid's imagination. There's yeah. no way he knew this guy. Yeah. Not really. Because he, he died just a couple days ago, according to the story. Yeah. The but kids, he remembers him. The kid's for, he probably remembers him, probably knows the personality, but does not remember him from this time. Yeah. And would not remember anything about this, but it starts that, and then all of a sudden you've got the engine roaring in your face as oh, yeah. loud as all get out. Yeah, I'm going. Okay, this is an interesting way to start this. Where are we going with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get the whole thing where he's showing him how not just to ride a bike, but to ride pretty much anything. How yeah. to get the courage to go out there and do it. And how just look straight about, forward. It's not about. Uh, it's what is it in? Is it a uh, in Lion King? I think where I think it's Mufasa says it doesn't matter if you're scared. Being courageous is being scared and doing it anyway. Yeah. That's kind of what was being shown here. Yeah, this, agreed. Agreed. The father, this grandfather, a, I love how they never, you have a world war two esque moment mm-hmm. where you're just showing good world war two. This guy was an airplane was mm-hmm. he a pilot. Yeah. Uh, no, he was on a ship. He was on a ship. Okay, so he's a Navy pilot, and we know from that time period that the Japanese were almost overworking their Navy at the time. Mm-hmm, they were. Near the end. And that's why so many people did not come back mm-hmm. from that, which explains a lot about uh, Grave of the Fireflies, but we're not talking about that yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> literally, I saw that go, oh, Grave of the Fireflies. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we're, we're sure. And this guy's injury, he doesn't feel he's, he's, doesn't, there's no way this guy knows that this is his grandson. Great no, grandson. Couldn't. No way on earth. But he treats him, but it's, it's like he knows he is. Yeah. And so it's teaching him how, it's telling this important lesson about how if you're scared, it knows it and it's scared too because it doesn't know if you're in control. Yeah. Yes. A bike, motorcycle, or bicycle has no way of knowing because it's yeah. not actually alive. It's but object. somehow inanimate objects, no, can, can sense your emotions anyway. If you've ever felt that way, mm-hmm. you're not an inanimate object, Dila. You are a thinking being. You, I know you don't move around that much. No, I didn't say you were lazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> can we move on? Fine. We'll talk about this later. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that. And I didn't even do anything wrong. So, yeah. Somehow, as I was saying, <laughs> even inanimate objects are, can't, will do have a way somehow yes. of being a, feeling like they're alive, even though we know they aren't. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm trying to get at. Yeah, which is understandable. And so it's that thing of you can't be, you, you might be scared, but you can't approach it scared. You have to mm-hmm. put that scaredness behind you. Use that energy to propel you forward. Yeah. That's what he's trying to teach Kuhn here. Mm-hmm. And what I like is they show you he's injured yeah. early, but don't say anything about it. So like, yeah, it's oh, just yeah, noticed. You notice it's like, oh, his foot's turned a weird way. That's odd. Mm-hmm. He must have got injured in the war. And then later on, you find out he was how he was injured in the war. Yeah. And it's like, oh, 
okay. And it's like I, I love this little this little story because it's mm -hmm. like it's understated. It's how you would expect a story with a great grandfather to go with a little with a young boy. Yeah, and yet it's quick. It, it it's heartwarming. It it's this kid learning what what he needs to know about being scared. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I realized going through this is each one of these little lessons he, this kid is learning. Mm -hmm. It's all it does all come together this that is the poor thing going through yeah he learns to respect he, le he learns respect from the prince mm -hmm. he learns the importance of tradition from mariah from the future mm -hmm. he learns uh it's not good to be impulsive from his mother in the past mm -hmm. here he's learning about courage and I guess the fifth one is it's all right to be your brother's, your sister's brother. Yeah. It's all, that's all right. That's y'all are going to be fine. It's, it's learning to accept. It's, learning so to, it's, it's acceptance. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wanted to say, maybe it had, it might've been connected to somehow like, uh, the cycle of grieving. What is that called? Um, uh, the five, the five steps of grief. Yeah. The five cycles of grief. Yeah. And it kind of, I can see that cause it does end with acceptance. Mm -hmm. And there is some of that with the, uh, not believing the 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 bargaining mm -hmm. the all this other stuff, but but what's what would he be grieving? Just the loss of being taught the being the only being child. The only child? Mm -hmm. I guess I could see how. Yeah, as an only child, I can see how that would be a hard thing to want to give up. Yeah, because you get all the attention. Yeah, good or bad. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. So I I get that to some degree, but it's like uh, so I guess it is kind of that. Uh, the it is the kid is going through that at the age yeah. of four mm -hmm. and i do like how there is well i'll get to this in a minute but there is like you can tell it take this is not just take, taking place over the course of a week yeah it's like over a long period of time at least uh six months yeah um so yeah i i enjoyed that little story if i felt like this was it was the sweet of the five i felt it was the sweetest okay yeah well to kind of bounce off that idea of uh, having siblings come into your life because I have two younger brothers. Yeah, you have a so, lot more experience with it. So when my younger brother was born, because we are like, I think we're like 16 months apart. Not be like, we're close to be like, it's like 13, 14 months apart. Because I was born in 82, he's born in 84. So, so one of the, <laughs> it was me like, Jim was always there. When my baby brother, Daniel, he showed up, I was about four years old. I was roughly about four, almost. I was almost four. I mm -hmm. think I was almost three, three, three and a half, four years old uh, when he was born. And so I remember just being excited. And I remember just be like, be like, okay, you got a little brother. You're going to be, take care of him. You can't, you'd be like, do this, do this, don't do this. Just being you know, like kind of regiment, regiment about things. But like, just be like, make sure Jim doesn't do this. Make sure right. this and this and this. Just being like being the big brother. Because be like that's what I remember. I have to you know call family. It's like hey, you know what? How did I act when like Daniel came around? Because Jim was always there to me. I mean like I, I don't remember much of like when I was little little, mm -hmm. but I remember I I remember Jim just being there and it's just like he was there. So uh, I, I can I can I don't I can kind of relate to where Coon is like trying to adjust. But it was for me it was like okay, I've got a little brother. <laughs> is what it is. It is what it is. But um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I would uh, going back to your your third like 
or not second, s- like. second like, I'm sorry, second like. Uh, I would go with uh, the grandfather story. Mm-hmm. The grandfather story of it's it's such a unique story of where it's be like looking ahead and not being afraid. Yeah, and obviously be like like once you get into the the rotate the not the rotation but in the habit of be like okay what's the what's the main theme going on or the main mm-hmm. conflict going on in the main theme of this certain segment it's okay okay this character is introduced this element's introduced oh we're going to go to this character i do i do enjoy like you said the 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 um the idea of uh, facing your problems yeah. and just looking ahead and not looking down and um, learning not to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that element of this story. Uh, and in a way, I kind of enjoy the the story in which the story, let me put that in air quotes, story of the of where Kuhn goes from being the spoiled little brat who could only think of himself mm-hmm. to a, 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 a young big brother to a little sister and having to take that responsibility. And I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that out of this story. All right. That was your third like. That's my third like. My third like is the fact that while they never come out and say it, mm that you can tell the passage of time occurs throughout this film. I yeah. don't just mean like the couple of times it jumps to the obvious past. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the stuff happening in the present day, mm-hmm. there are this, you can tell there's, there, there's a difference in baby Mariah when she is just come home from the hospital mm-hmm. yeah. to the Mariah on the way to the, the beach or wherever yeah. the family vacation was. To. Yes. You can, it's, it's subtle, but you can tell that there's a, some time has passed. Yes. And then, um, the, the, the other thing that jumped out at me, and this may not have been as obvious, is Mariah from the future's uniform changed between the two times she's on screen. Mm-hmm. The first time she's in her uh, her uh, winter uh, spring t- uh, uniform, the, yes. the darker colored one. Mm-hmm. But at, when she shows up at the end, she's wearing a summer uniform. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this much time has passed. At least six months, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Granted, you don't really get to see that in like any. You would think the tree would at mm-hmm. least show some some of that time passage, but think. it's always leafed throughout the yeah. whole thing. So, um, or in full leaf, you know what I mean. It's an evergreen, mm-hmm. I think. So, I mean, I like that there was a passage of time. This was not. This story could have easily. They could have easily set this within a one week. Yes, and, and where Coon would go through this whole thing within a week, but I don't think it would have worked as well in that setting. They never come right out and tell you how long it takes. Mm-hmm. This is the story takes, but it's obvious it takes place over time. So yeah, I like that it takes. It, it's not done in a week. It's takes it a good couple months. Gotcha. Awesome. And now that we finished our likes. Let's talk about how much this kid needs to be punished. <laughs> Let's talk about the snotty brat. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be both our first. Oh, dislikes. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. how much of a snotty brat this kid is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. It's like, I, I, I totally understand where. Well, I don't because I was never that kid. I was never allowed to act like that. Me either. 
I'm not saying I didn't act like that. I'm saying I paid the consequences for it really quick. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, like it's the understanding be like you you be like you are so used to getting everything you want, like all the attention, mm-hmm. all the the love and the cuddles and the kisses and the whole bit. And then the little sister shows up and your world gets wrecked. Yeah. I, I get it, but at the same time, it takes so be like it's Granted, I from, think we're yeah. both looking at it as adults looking back on this kid and thinking it's just like when you're walking when you're uh like at the mall or something or yeah. Walmart or, or, or Brookshire Brothers perhaps. Yeah. And you're seeing these kids misbehaving and running around like, you know, who knows who knows what. Yeah. aliens yeah and you wonder and you know you were not allowed to act like that as a kid yeah exactly and you wonder why their parents you, let him get away with it. and you have and really deep that, and it's that same feeling watching yeah. this kid yeah and he's our protagonist it's like uh-huh you snot nose little the dog needs to bite you <laughs> and i say that specifically because twice twice mind you the kid rears up with the engine of his bullet train to smack Mariah in the head. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, my mama brought me into this world. She can take me back out. I was told this a hundred times. <laughs> the same. And I would not have, I, I would have survived, obviously, because she wouldn't kill me. Yeah. But I would have felt like being killed. <laughs> I would have got my butt you- whooped so hard. And, and I'm, I wouldn't, you don't attack a baby. I don't care if you're four. You don't attack a baby. You 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 would have with a train. Exactly. It's a it's not a full size train. It's a toy train, but still. You you would have you would have wished to Jesus would take you out. Oh yeah. Yeah. With how how much of a scold that would have been when and you, when you would have been when, when you the, were the getting, smacks of the belt. Saying, oh Jesus, come quickly. Exactly. At <laughs> <laughs> four years old, be like, this yeah. is torture. Get me out of here. is to attack it with a toy train. Apparently. Like, when is, has the dog ever pissed you off? Does he have <laughs> scars from your toy trains? <laughs> oh my gosh. Stupid insignificant brat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd be mean, like, it's, again, it's understandable that y- you have something new come in your life. And yeah. we all do. We all do. And we all handle it differently. And Coon does not take it well. Again, well, again he's granted, a, great. He's a four-year-old. Yeah. But at the same time, he acts be like it's again. This is a story about growth and maturity. Yes, but it he takes, has to learn to grow. He has to take to learn to grow. We all had to do that. Mm-hmm. But it is so irritating. And but like we we go throughout the entire story, and he he doesn't change anything. We like all the lessons he, has he learned. Very little character growth throughout the whole thing. Very every, every step of character growth immediately feels like he stepped backwards in the in the beginning of the next exactly story. every time exactly and it's just this it's this cycle of be like oh he learns a lesson and he immediately forgets it and so the last story where he actually has to protect his little sister and then he finally decides oh i need to grow up yeah and that's that's a good thing but at the same time it's like be like you should have like every lesson he should have learned something but at the same time he's the same snot-nosed little piece of crap the entire time and be like i think what is it twice that he wants to attack mariah yes he attacks mariah he tries to attack mariah twice because he he's he's annoyed at her because she's being herself she's a baby what do you expect 
it's and it'd be like she doesn't know what she's doing yeah it's it's this be like he's no longer getting the affection and mom yeah. and dad are no longer listening to him but they are listening to him and i can understand the frustration yeah at least that's, that's the other good thing about this is yeah we're seeing this all from his um coon's point of view yeah but at the very least we also see uh the parents like yeah. the mom she feels bad for and it feels like she's not being a good mom because of how she's having how she ha- has snapped at yeah. her kids and all this stuff which has an effect but yeah she she uh, you see them feel like yeah. this is a very what's strange this is a strange film in this it degree. is it is very because strange on one hand you're getting these fantastic things coming out i mean the kid turns into a part dog for part for a portion of this yeah. we get this whole horror segment at the mm. end yeah with the long black train and the conductor yeah who is 3d in a 2d environment and it looks like he's actually stop motion and, and then like, what the crap is going on yeah. here and the dra- and the the train itself is a dragon yes and you can tell just by looking at it, oh, it's a furry dragon. That's what's weird. Huh? It's a furry dragon. Yeah, that's right. It is a furry dragon. So I, I so it's, it's like the dragon from uh, Never Ending Story, except evil. Mm. Evil, whatever the name of that dragon is. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird movie because on one hand you see all this, it's, it's grounded. Mm-hmm. For half, for for half of it, and it's fantastical in the other half, and they're. All it's all scattered throughout the whole film, which I love. Yeah, Do not get me wrong. Right, because we're seeing this little boy's imagination. Maybe I have questions here, yeah, especially exactly. near the end. Yeah, at but the this end is where they explain it. But this they don't really explain it's, it. It's a, we'll a, get to it's that. a we, half explanation. We will get to that. Yeah, I have. I am. A, yes, yes. I am a, I, I am a consumer of techno babble. <laughs> I know the good techno babble from the bad. Yes, we will get to it. Yes, agreed. But <laughs> I, I'm kind of rambling. I admit, yes. fair. Anyway, it's I like that it's grounded and fantastical at the same time. But there are times when it just feels like it's way too juxtaposed. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Fair. So, yeah, it's just you know, like Coon gets away with everything. Be like he gets a scolding, or like every time he does something, it's like and. Um, his his whole need because by this point be like he's learned a lot of really good lessons mm-hmm. throughout the entire movie and the last one is like they're going on vacation and he throws the biggest hissy fit because he over wear, shorts over yellow shorts over blue shorts because the yellow shorts are in the dryer yeah which great kids do that yes and in my mind it's like well the dryer does stop before they leave yes and it's not that um, they were waiting for it to stop. Yeah, and, or or he was th- or he when he threw his hissy fit and ran around the house. Yeah, that that actually caused the family to stop. No, they were still ch- they the, the they were, doing were still the, loading the car. Yeah, because the uh, whole time again, this is primarily I, I would think it's primarily in Coon's mind. Yeah, it's his overactive but, imagination. But the fact that and this is this is one thing I like is it, I think it's the first time we get proof. Yeah, that Coon is learning something, not just saving. Uh, Mariah, imagine baby, imagine baby, imagine baby. Not just having imagine baby Mariah <laughs> from the from the long black dragon train. It's he has a chance to finally get what he wants. Yeah, first time in the movie, he actually has a chance to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. The yellow stupid shorts. He gets they're mm-hmm. out of the dryer. They're ready Agreed. to go. He's taking his blue pants off to switch to the yellow ones, 
and he puts the blue ones back on and goes yeah. out and has fun because he realizes it's not important. Yeah, exactly. He finally oh, yeah. grew an inch character wise. Yeah. At the end of the film, it's like, why didn't you grow this much before? <laughs> Couldn't we had a long period of growth? Why did it have to be the last minute? But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so I would say it'd be like, this was my first, like, and I think what you have all it's kind of all just, our first, right, you wrapped first up dislike. in, that was the first, your first like. So yeah. go, going in my second, like, yeah, what is your second dislike? Does Kuhn ever grow as a character? But like, granted, we just talked about like he he grows about a inch. an inch, a fraction of an inch as a character. Yeah, and then we see his future self, who's just sitting there on the train, grumpy, by, grumpy about everything. Now, granted, like, granted, he's a teenager. I get it. Teenagers can be grumps. And be, I, like, I, I get, get, get into their goth, their their uh their their goth mode, and they can get really grumpy and gripey about yeah. everything. Teenagers are teenagers. I have. A th- I went through that. I have a theory. Okay, but we'll get to it later. Okay, because I have to gripe about that dumb tree first. Yeah, I'll get there when I get there. <laughs> but it's just like okay, and then we see like he just like you have this upbeat chipper Mirai. Mariah, right? Yes, Mariah. Mariah, thank you, because I'm always afraid I'm saying the wrong word. Mariah, Mariah is like, you know. You have not gotten anywhere near saying it wrong so far, so kudos. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I can say a word every once in a while. That's correct. A, uh, a name. Usually it's the names you yeah, have. Usually, usually I have a you know, problem with names. Yes. <laughs> but this... Oh my gosh! It's like okay, so we get look, we get forward to the whiny, gripey little kid who then gets turned into a teenager and he just mopes around and whines about everything. Did this character grow up at all? Like I, I would hope that they would show an older version of Coon as more of an adult, and we see who the who the man who he became as a man later in life. That would have been amazing to see. It's like, okay, we get a glimpse into the future of who Kuhn becomes as an adult, but we don't. We see him as a teenager, and he's walking around in all black and moping around. Okay. I'm going to jump in here, because first off, don't judge him by that black suit. Oh, I'm not. I'll be like, because that's probably a male student's uniform in high school okay. or college. Okay. Because that is kind of what that's traditionally what you normally see in anime. Oh, okay. Of what the, the of the male student uniform. Okay, so so the the fact that he's got black hair and is wearing a black suit that's just him being proper Japanese. Okay, fair, but, fair, fair. But yes, but com- coming we're, from we're gonna get to that. Yes, <laughs> let, let me finish. So coming from a Western perspective, yes. coming strictly from a Western perspective, be like you see a, a, a young man or a young woman who is wearing all black. It makes you it, it gives that that stereotype of like, oh, he's being gothic or he's being uh, mopey and he's just oh, he's mopey. Oh, yeah. He's mopey. He's all that, out. This I am not saying is wrong. I'm just saying. Yeah. So just I wouldn't from the, judge by his clothes. Yes. Yeah, so just from the Western perspective. I didn't know that. Right, right. So just basing on my own experience. So thank you for that little lesson. And it would have been nice if he was wearing a different color blazer. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> maybe a little also, color. Than well, this. especially since it's summer. Yeah. We can see that in her uniform. So why isn't he wearing a male summer uniform? That's a good question. Anyway, it also, also can reflect how he views himself. 
or he's just, oh yeah is is, is his it, mood it well, reflects who he is let's go ahead and jump to that okay because this is my theory that comes back to that stupid tree a cell gas theory a cell gas theory thanks for listening anywho that version of coon that mm-hmm. we saw at the train station mm-hmm. that was telling the young coon not to get on the train yeah that was coon had he not gone through the bit of character growth we saw okay yeah that makes he's sense. he's still not really happy with he's so grumpy about everything he thinks he's lost he doesn't remember this now because it's mm. been years ago uh-huh. but it's that feeling compounded on itself over time where he's just grumpy and hate and hates the world yeah i don't think we actually got to see a few a form of future coon where he had learned the lesson mm. and maybe had been a happier kid going through yeah uh, going through school yeah because it, it looks like more like the the two times we do see that version of coon uh in his mm-hmm. either his his late teenage years or his college years yeah He's just be like, whatever. Walks off scene, yeah. or or he's he's trying to warn his younger self that be like, don't get on that train. And what I would assume it's not the that train in particular, but it's talking about the 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 dragon death train later. Right. So let's talk. My, my real um, my real issue with, and I guess that's the issue. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, does that mean that the present day? We, we have a time bubble problem here. Yeah. Because on one hand, that tree makes it seem like we are now seeing everything from the kid's imagination. Yes. We see that with Yuko, mm-hmm. the dog. We can kind of see that with Mirai from the future. Mm-hmm. That that's obviously, he can see, maybe see that as an extrapolation of his future sister self. Yes. He saw a picture of his mother in that photo album. So he, he I can see how he would then have... Uh, he, he could imagine running mm-hmm. around with that version of his mother as a kid. Yes. Granted, I don't think he saw the picture of his great grandfather before that happened, but, and that's where this starts to fall apart a little okay. bit in theory, that it's all in his imagination until we get even up to the long black train. I can kind of go with that until they go into the, the, they go full Hosoda with the tree. And we see all this stuff that's obviously using the same his same way of he showed the network and that one episode that that, that one thing in Digimon the movie yeah. the same thing he showed the time travel in uh, the girl who left through time mm-hmm. the same way he showed the internet in Summer Wars and the same way he showed uh, whatever the name of the MMO was in Bell it's the same imagery uh-huh. over again. This time showing a family history, which then raises a question. Is this tree going backwards and forwards through time? Is is uh, his future predetermined hmm. to get to this point so that Mariah from the future can exist? Is she coming back? Who's at the present? Who's at the past? We don't know. Yeah. Not This is all thrown at us as in terms of visual spaghetti at right. the last... 15 minutes of the film uh-huh. and you're going what like, to some degree it's like oh i get it we're seeing all this other stuff we're seeing how the family come together it's kind of nice and kind of heartwarming but then i'm sitting here asking the questions well no wait a minute this tree is the same tree from that the whole film from the first time he sees the prince mm-hmm. all the way to now it's the same tree exactly 
somehow it's the same tree even outside of his great grandparents' house where they had the race. Yeah. I have questions, but I'm going to leave that part alone okay. <laughs> because there's more stupidity with this dumb tree. Yeah. Like, how is this tree that you call a what information and family index? Family index. That's yeah. what they called it. Yes. It's like how how is this tree doing this? There's no way this kid's imagination is this good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is obviously taking place outside of his imagination. This is yes. legitimately happening. It's just nobody else is perceiving it, which means that's true of Yuko, his, his adventures with Yuko, his adventures with future Mirai, his adventures with his uh, mother from the past, his adventures with his great-grandfather. The whole thing, it's all real for this kid. Yeah. They make it look like it's a magician, but we figure it's all real for this kid because this is how the future index thing must be working. And somehow the kid's able to go back and forth. And obviously he must have shown future Mariah how to do this too at some point. Otherwise she couldn't have come back to the past. That is true. So time paradox. What is going on, Mamaru Hosoda? <laughs> you did not explain. Oh, yeah. You introduced this stuff. And did not want me to think about it, but you introduced too much. And now I've got questions. You went to soda on this. <laughs> you tried to give the techno babble to to do the magic hand wave. Because that's all techno babble is meant yeah. to do. It's meant to give you just enough information that you just go, oh, okay, that makes sense. It sounds technical enough, sounds goofy enough. Yeah, I can swallow this with a little bit of techno babble dribbled all over mm -hmm. it. That's fine. Except I have tasted good techno babble. I have tasted bad techno babble. This is bad techno babble. Oh my gosh, that was good. You did not. Your techno babble did not explain enough to make me just accept it blindly. Very true. In the course of the movie, because I'm sitting there watching all this going on, watching what's obviously copy pasted animation, too, by the way. Uh -huh. It's like all you did was just show it from different angles. It's the same animation. You just showed it seven times to show your transition between all these little moments. Uh -huh. It's like I'm watching this going. How does this work? Why are you just showing us this now? This, yes, you copy and pasted it, but this was still a very expensive animated process. You show all this. You designed a, two whole characters for just this sequence alone that we're expected to know as major characters, i.e. Yuko's mom and great-grandmother who had one line. Yeah. I credited the voice actress for this one line, <laughs> and it was just, oh, yeah. Uh, I'll let you win the race or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you didn't explain. You're explain going it. to do this. There are two things. You either make sure your techno babble is spot on or you don't talk about what the crap it is. Yes. Because you said it's a family index, like the index, like, like the uh, index at your local library. That, when did this film come out? 2018? 2018. How many people? Granted, Japan may be different, but how many people, even if you go to a library, even know what the card catalog is anymore? They don't use it anymore. They have a computer so you can look up to find where the dang book is. Just, you got close. You got close to soda. You got really close. But she kind of kicked it at the end. Yeah, I agree. I agree with this this whole you notion. You explained too much. You should have let me just think it was this kid's imagination. 
Yeah, but then yes, I agree that like you you explain that so well. Be like, I, I I'm not even going to touch it with the Tim foot pole. It was I'll be like I'll be like that that was that was intense. That was good. That was really really good. That was good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Drew, Drew ranting. Yeah, Drew Drew ranting at his best. <laughs> bravo, brother. Bravo. So my third dislike be that like yours. Well, no. <laughs> okay. No, be like, well, I I thought about it, and then you went into your rant about it. Was, okay, I'm not gonna touch that with a ten foot pole because he just went over very well, very precise with a lot of err behind it. Just let it be his imagination. Yeah, it's yeah. All it should have been. I agree. I agree. No, I, I'm I'm gonna touch another part of this film. I I found very frustrating and very irritating. The transition between scenes. Be like there, there was like okay, so we get the first scene where it's him the dog, okay, and it just jumps to another scene. I'm like okay, what's going on? And then it's just like it goes from a, one story to another to another to another with no connecting points whatsoever. And it was like at, I think it was by the second story they got in the third story, and it was like okay, uh, you're be like in my mind. I'm thinking, movie, you're losing my attention. Be like, my, my focus is going somewhere else. Because how the movie is structured, it's literally just segments that are not connected, like we said earlier. They're not connected in any fashion or form, except for a little irritating little coon who doesn't learn a flipping thing until the last moment in the film. Oh, he learns stuff. He just immediately forgets it. Exactly. Which like, means, was it learned? Yeah, exactly. He forgot it. Does he? Did he learn? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the 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 transitions in this film be like. I, I wish they would have gone in. They would have done something a little more. I don't know, a little more creative, and gave be like, oh, here's this new transition to go into this next scene. But nope, it was literally boop, okay. We're in another scene. Okay, what happened? And this is me playing devil's advocate here, mind you. Okay. These were not taking place one right after the other. There was obviously time I agree. They're, they're, between each episode. Yeah, yes, I agree. I agree with you. I wish they would have given a little more transition time. Uh, like maybe be like, okay, we're doing this or we're doing this. At, to give, to at do the very least, mm. give me a, uh, a, 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 what do you call it? Uh, when you show the outside of a building like a quick second before you go oh, back yeah. into the scene. Establishing shots. Establishing shots. Give me an establishing shot and let me see that the time has changed just by maybe, you know, assuming this is going from winter to spring. Yeah. Or winter to summer. Show the cherry blossoms blooming. This is Japan. You can get away with that. Yeah. Do, show do the, something show creative maybe, in order to give, give me transitions. Maybe have like, it's the sun coming out one morning. Yeah. Something like that just to give me a clear delineation that we are now Fully in a separate story at a separate time. Exactly. So yeah, that that's my my third dislike of this film is the the lack of transitions that it just jumps into one scene after another, and it just I lost interest in this film probably by the third or fourth scene. the The last episode, the last scene. Well, that brings you right back into it. It it brings you right back into the story, and. Because you're asking, you're actually asking throughout most of that part, mm -hmm. what am I looking at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what am I looking at? 
and then we get the the terrible techno babble of what's what's really going on, which makes no sense. But we just heard Drew masterfully rant about that. Um, but the transitions in the movie are terrible. You know, give me an establishing shot to where we're going, seasonal setups, whatever. Maybe there's there's a car outside and they're packing for a trip, and it's not just boop right into the next scene. Yeah, because most of the time it's like right into a hit a coon playing with his toys. Yeah, exactly. Every time it's like, but that's how we ended the last thing was coon playing with his toys. Mm-hmm. So th- there's there's no real like they're not setting up. They're obviously they just cut to another scene or cut to another uh, another segment in the story yeah. with no transitions and it's just like okay i so, mean yeah that, that's the my closest just like, film i can think this we reviewed that kind of does the same thing mm-hmm. telling a s- stories of growth over a long period of time mm-hmm. with pompoco yeah pompoco there was clear when you need to know that was a trend that, that that time was moving on mm-hmm. they made that clear and when it really didn't matter if you need to know they uh, yeah. they you could have gone either way that made sense there. Here, it's just like half the time, this could all take place in the same week if it weren't yeah. for the fact that Mariah's obviously aging between scenes. Yes. And half the time, you don't even get a good look at her. Yeah. In the, some of those. Because it's just more, it's like... Before Coon attacks her with a train! Or attempts to. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Alright, so that's my third dislike. My third dislike. Why was baby Mariah about to get up, get on the long black train? It made sense where Coon was going. I followed the logic there that he was doing this to himself. And it was he who was putting himself Mm -hmm. on the train to what they called the lonely place. Yeah. The lonely place. Like I could see that that made a lot of sense. Yeah. And maybe I could think that because Coon is not doing his job as a big brother, mm-hmm. that that's what's getting putting baby Mirai in that same boat that he is okay. in a way leading her onto that train okay. without meaning to. Okay. But I am going, I am stretching yeah. to get there, which means why is baby Mirai about to get in danger of getting on the long black train? Yeah. The breathing long black train, mm-hmm. which is that was creepy in and of itself. Yeah. Agreed. It's like, why is she there? Yes, you got to show Coon trying to save her. But honestly, why was she there? Mm-hmm. Even if, whether it's imagination or really happening somehow, whatever that mess was. Yeah. How is baby Mariah there? Mm. I, I would, I would, I would throw, I, I would, don't get it. I, I would throw this theory out here. Where it was more of Coons, more of his depression of how he views life. Right. And so he sees the black train as be like, oh, I'm going off to oblivion. But then he sees his little sister, whom throughout the entire film he says he doesn't like. And right. he's, he's learned all but these the lessons. The reason he does not like her is because she's getting all the attention. Yeah. Granted, I'm trying to apply logic where this kid obviously didn't have any. Yeah. But. From his perspective, shouldn't she still be with the parents and not anywhere near there? Because she just shows up. Yeah. I, I was in danger of getting on the train. She, the whole reason he's there is because he's lost. Yeah. Mariah's not lost. Yeah. Even from his perspective. Granted, if you had shown something to where baby Mariah mm-hmm. 
was following him into all this, was yeah. learning the wrong lessons. Mm -hmm. Maybe then I could somehow, it, granted, Mariah had to be a little bit older for me to understand. Maybe Mariah had to be a little bit older for me to believe this. Yeah, instead of a couple of so months just, old. Yeah, less than a, less than a year old. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> it doesn't make sense the way they did it. It's just, Baby Mariah is there. Yes, she is in danger of following Coon down this long line of depression. Yeah. If Coon were to keep going from here, I get that's what the film is trying to say. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense how we got to that point because Mariah's not lost, not yet. Yeah. You want to show me Mariah in the same boat? Show her getting trying to get on getting on the train at the same age Coon is now. And for similar reasons, this is why Coon is now. Maybe there's a third kid that comes along. That's yeah. always possible. Maybe not. Maybe she just she's thinks her big brother hates her. Yeah. And that's gotten her depressed enough that she wants to get on the she feels lost enough to get on the train. Yeah. Do something like that. Not, oh, baby Mariah is crawling towards the train. What we got Nell Fenwick tied to the train tracks too. <laughs> my my theory, my theory on that is more it's more of a it's more of a test to, to Coon as a character. I get that. Yeah. But it's a bad test. I agree. It's a bad test. Great. But that's that's the only thing I can think of. Coon can recognize future Mirai by the birthmark. by looking at her by the birthmark, admittedly. And then he recognized her the second time she shows up. But you're telling me he wouldn't have seen that birthmark on a four-year-old kid too? Because it would have been plainly obvious. You see the the you see the birthmark on the hand. We all immediately know it would be Mariah. Yeah. And now Coon's got to keep Mariah from getting on the train for the yeah. same reason he was going to get on the train. Yeah. He was he was getting pulled into something he didn't really didn't want into. If she it, this is just me thinking, it would have mm -hmm. been better had she had that Mariah been four and not a baby. Yeah. Because I just don't understand why baby Mariah was there. Because from his perspective, the baby was fine. And yeah. he didn't care about the baby. Yes, we gotta prove he has to care about Mariah. Mm-hmm. But it should not have been Baby Mariah, mm. is what I'm saying. Okay, so let me throw this out at you. Because it's just not believable. Okay, fair. Uh, I understand what they're getting at. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Because it's more the conductor, not conductor, but the uh, the lost and found uh, yes. conductor. Be like, it's like, okay, he, he doesn't know whose parents are, but then he, he comes to the realization that he's uh, Mariah's older brother. Which, and that, Which I'll admit, I did not realize we had never learned the, the parents' names throughout the no. entire film until it's asking, what is your mother's name? Yeah. What is your father's name? Yeah. Go, Crap, even I don't know, no. and I've been watching this film. Because <laughs> I never but yeah, said it. But, it, it. but in the same way, it establishes who Kuhn is, and he's Mariah, Mariah's, Mariah's older brother. Mariah's yeah. older brother. That's and his so, identity at this point. Yeah. He's the older brother of Mariah. Yeah. And I get that. I get that's what the point the movie's trying to get at. Yeah. That that's him coming to that point. My problem is... Yes. It shouldn't have been a baby. <laughs> the baby version. Hmm. Okay. That's all I'm getting at, is because if you had made it just like a slightly older version, mm -hmm. not not... Mariah from the future, not the the junior high version, but like a like a, a younger same age. version, same age as him. I could have followed that a lot faster. It's like this is someone in the same boat, and he's got to save her. Okay, so and it, he knows it's her. It's not like he saved somebody and then found out it was her. Well, if if, if that it, wouldn't that he wouldn't have learned his lesson that way. Yeah. So if they would have set that up, where we would have seen a four year old version of Mariah, and he would have had 
contact with that version of her and yeah, saw and her going uh, being pulled onto the train he would have done the exact same and thing it wouldn't have been that hard because all you have to do is show her on the train he took to tokyo station yeah you would have seen her you and they interacted her, you would, you, they would interact they may even been friendly with each other yeah before he realizes it's his sister yeah they realize be like oh that's my friend and we realize yeah. like oh it's mariah yeah be like after Do you something know, like that yeah that would have been cool yeah that would have been really cool because it's, oh it's my friend they even set up the dumb train yeah in the establishing so I was like, oh, I wonder what that long black train is. The first time I saw it was, oh, it's the train to hell <laughs> going to Tokyo Station. Guess what train you're about to be asked to get on, Coon? <laughs> I because I can kind of see where this is going. Yes, because there again, the the movie kind of it telegraphs where it's going in, it's in, a, in, in some a way case. that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I'm fine with the telegraphs. Yeah, in this one, it's just set up a little bit more. Yeah, with this final one. <laughs> That's all I want. Yeah, because then you're be like, then you got to reach into your imagination to figure out why is baby baby Mariah here, and like like we just I had to rationalize too much. Yeah, it was way too baby Mariah. Yeah, it should have been like well, I've already said what it should have been. I'm not yeah. going to repeat myself. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Do you have any more any more dislike? Any no. more anything else to bring up before we rate this film? Uh, no, let's rate this thing. Would you be amazed if I said I'm giving it an eight? <laughs> Mises, uh, like maybe just went on a, on a, on a rant. Say what? <laughs> I actually do like this film. Okay, it's not great. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It's but it's a fun watch. I get. It. I understand what it's going for. Yeah. These are the, the complaints I've had for this. Yeah. I wouldn't call them nitpicks. It's just you could have done this differently, and it would have been better. Yeah, agreed. That's really what I'm getting at with those. It's a good film. It just could have been a better film. Yeah. If you'd just done a little bit more work. And then maybe work on your Hasodaisms there. Hasoda. Hasodaism. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying he likes to lean on things. He's that that effect, that 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 uh network effect for lack of mm -hmm. a better term. Yeah. That is his version of JJ Abrams' lens flares. You're not wrong. Because <laughs> he uses it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I went back to a random episode of Digimon the television series. Nope, not there. I'm saying, let me finish. <laughs> I'm not saying it's there. I'm saying I would not have been surprised yeah. if. Yeah. I'm not talking about the movie. We already know about that movie. Yeah. But if we, if there was a random episode that he directed, all of a sudden, boom, here's the special effect. Yeah. It's like, well, that's weird. Like maybe that, that maybe that would have been the opening in the opening theme song instead of them falling into the letters. Digimon, mm. just them following into this big spheroid with random uh, vector graphics attacking. Well, I. I <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that could not have been possible when he was on Digimon because that was before uh, digital animation was taking over right, anime. Right, 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 right. The 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 only he, thing he didn't get to do that until Digimon the movie. Okay, so I think I think he did direct. I could be wrong here. He could have directed. I think it's the fourth film, which would have been uh, Digimon F Adventure Two. Our Digimon Zero Two, uh, Revenge of Diaboramon. Yeah, but that's a movie, not a TV. Show. Yeah, it's it's a movie. It's a movie because I don't think he direct. He might have directed something. I don't know. He directed a lot of episodes, from what I looked up. Okay, Digimon the movie of, of the Digimon television. Oh, okay, series. see, I, I don't I don't remember seeing any of those because I've seen most of Digimon. Well, I mean, it's not. It does not credit him, in, especially in the American version. Okay, of which Fair. episodes he did. I just know that from looking up. Mamaru hosted in the past. It's like, oh, okay. yeah, he did 
so many episodes of Digimon the television series plus two paths of Digimon the movie. Okay. Because of the way those OVAs work. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, I'm going to give it a 7.8, 7.8, 7.5. Sorry. <laughs> 7.5. Because uh, I got mixed up with your age. So it was like 7.8. No, that's all right. 7.5. Uh, 7.5, like, it's a good film. It's a little frustrating here and there. Uh, you generally do not like your protagonist that much. But, like, you, you do see his growth a little, like, a fraction of an inch towards the end of the film. And he kind of grows up into a big brother uh, that actually does care about his little sister. And uh, actually, you know, grows up. And uh, the, the scene where he, the, instead of whining and plating, that be like, oh, I had to get the shorts I wanted. He actually decides to wear the shorts that he's that his mother is prepared for him. But uh, yeah, 7.5. Like it's, it's, it's a good film. It's, it's, it's got some story beats that are a little bit odd. Why is this here? Why is this here? The techno babble makes no sense. The, the revelation that it's the, uh, the family index, which made no sense. It was like, okay, let me try to rationalize this in my head. This is not working. It was um, an excuse to show the Hasoda graphic. Yeah, the Hasoda, the Hasoda graphic. Or whatever you call that thing. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the so, way, I just looked it up because I was curious. Mm. He directed one episode of season one. Okay. Namely, uh, episode 21, which was Home Away From Home. Okay, that's a good episode. And he directed episodes... Twin, uh, this is out of order. 26, 28, 29, 30, 32, and 35 of season two. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Just throwing that out there. So he that's he he did a total of seven episodes of the show. Okay. Plus our war game, plus whatever the name of that first one is. Because mm -hmm. it's in Japanese here, and I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Golden Digi Fusion or something. Kitaro like no Yori Densha. Gegeke no Kitaro. Which that, that doesn't sound like Digimon the more I'm reading it. No, it's not. <laughs> Maybe if they had see all it was go oh, golden Digimon Digi. Adventure. That was the name of the first short. Yes, Digimon, Just Adventure. Digimon Adventure. Fine. <laughs> but yeah, 7.5. 7.5. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good and a goofy night. Yes, it has been. Uh, next time, we are reviewing a Muppet movie. Yes. But Fine. not an actual Muppet movie, but a, a movie, Muppet does show up. But in a it. movie with Muppets in it. Yes. And, and officially, yeah. the Sesame Street Muppets are Muppets. Yeah. In fact, they had, because it was created by Jim Henson, Kermit the Frog, who is in many of the early seasons of the of the of, of Sesame Street, mm -hmm. which we are doing the Sesame Street movie. They actually have to, HBO actually has to pay Disney now anytime they use any of the episodes, any of the clips featuring Kermit. Really? They have to pay a licensing fee for those for those moments because the character is owned by Disney now. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That is funny. I don't know if that's true for the couple of uh, times the Sesame Street characters have appeared in Muppet stuff that is on Disney Plus. Yeah. So who who owns the Muppet? The, not the Muppets, but the uh, Sesame, Sesame Street, Street is owned by Children's Television Workshop. Who okay. I think five or six years ago was bought by HBO. Okay. And they are under contractual obligation to still show that stuff on PBS, but they get like some sort of like HBO gets like a little bit of a exclusive exclusivity for episodes for like a little bit. I don't okay. know the exact way it has because honestly, do you know when the last time I watched Sesame Street was? When you were when I was of age. Yeah. When Elmo was still new. Uh, and Elmo. Kermit the Frog was still on the show from time to time. Wow, okay. 
before it was Kevin Clash before, and before he got in trouble. Yeah. I haven't looked. Is Elmo in this film? No, Elmo's not in this film. Yes! <laughs> you want to know why I hate Elmo so much? <laughs> Go listen to our Muppet oh, Family Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. Oh. Yeah, look at the... the uh, Neko, we already reviewed Dark Crystal. <laughs> yes, we have. Great movie. Anywho. Yeah, so the movie we're reviewing is, is going to be... Follow that bird. Follow that bird. I am actually halfway through that film right because now. Because you thought we were reviewing it this week. Yes, I did. For some stupid reason. And the thing is, we are actually being joined by a guest. Yeah. As far as we know. It, it, it could, it's at technically come or go. Yeah. But uh, PaulJPowers.com did say he was interested in joining us. This, so we're hoping he's able to cool. be, on, be on with us for that episode. And uh, I'm not still 100% certain why he wants to be on this one. But, you know, cool. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and play the bumpers? Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, we'll get to talking about what we've been watching, some news, and some X-Men. Okay. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest Playing Games with Strangers. Playing Games with Strangers is a family-friendly, actual-play tabletop podcast where indie voice actors get together and play tabletop role-playing games. You can listen to the adventures unfold as they roll dice, slay monsters, and have fun all at playinggameswithstrangers.com. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com. And not this person because I still need to take to them out of the name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob. Please donate to us on Patreon. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? Well, I've been watching dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm aware of that. <laughs> well, we we had a, a a friend of ours who uh, is part of our singles group who goes to a Bible study w with us. Uh, said she had to go out of town. She had a family emergency, so she had to leave. And I dog said her before, and uh, so yeah, I've been watching her lovely little pooches for about a day and a half or a day and, about a day right now. Uh, other than that, uh, obviously, I've been watching uh, Follow the Bird thinking we were actually reviewing it on tonight's episode but uh, yeah i'm about 20 minutes into that other than that what else have i been watching not a whole lot of nothing really all that time with the dogs yeah nothing no tv no movies oh uh, let me think what no people killing people no no uh yeah no <laughs> and no I think I was. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I watched something, but I'm the the name of the episode, the name of the TV show eludes me at the moment. Well, you'll think, probably you'll probably come to it once I talk about what I've been watching. Yeah, exactly. So what have you been watching? Good night. I've been watching a lot this week. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, in fact, one of them I think it might be the thing that's on the tip of your tongue, and that was uh, live action Little Mermaid. Dum 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 dum. dum. Yes, I went and watched the, the live action Little Mermaid. Good night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Sorry, we're actually like... going to be releasing a reaction episode of that not here in the next week. So keep mm -hmm. an eye out for that. Yes. Also, along with this film that we just got done watching, uh, of course, I was visiting my parents over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of Perry Mason got watched. Mm. Which that, if you never watched Perry Mason, it's actually it's a good show. And so I remember watching a little bit when I was yeah. a kid. Granted, after a while, you was like, oh, yeah. I know, I know what I know what's going to happen here just from the quick setup. Mm -hmm. Somehow, uh, Perry Mason's going to accidentally get hired by the person who's going to be murdered, or by the person who's mm -hmm. going to be accused of being murdered before the murder actually happens. Mm -hmm. So he's on retainer, and uh, he's not going to be able to get out there before uh, before before a Lieutenant Trag gets out there. That's the guys. It's mm -hmm. always the the police lieutenant yeah. that gets out there before him, and then they're all going to get in court. And it's going to be Perry Mason versus uh, um, the uh, the uh, district attorney, Mr. Mm -hmm. Berger. I wish I. It, why is his name Mr. Berger? <laughs> it's a weird name. Uh, and then Perry Mason's going to going to save the win against his. He's going to uh, um, win the case for his client mm -hmm. because of he's, he's going to convince somebody else, the actual murderer to come clean. Hmm. And apparently there was one episode this didn't happen. And that's because his client lied to him. Hmm. And yeah, you kind of know that's what's going to happen, but it's like, yeah, I know the formula. I just want to see how we get there. Okay. It's kind of fun, but yeah, watch that. Uh, and then Wednesday, I got a chance to see, a certain bug man on a motorcycle. Yeah. Shin Kamen Rider. Which, if you remember from earlier this year, I was on uh, Henshinman helping him finish up the Kamen Rider that this is based on. Yes. And that's a goofy show. And the movie is a goofy movie, but it's a lot more serious. And it's... Okay, so yeah, this is the third of Hideki Anno's mm -hmm. Shin adaptations of Tokusatsu yes. properties. Mm -hmm. He started with Shin Godzilla, which came out in 2016, mm -hmm. and then Shin Ultraman, which came out earlier this year over here, but it came out uh, Japan last year, which of course was intended to come out in 2020, and we all know why that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And then Shin Kamen Rider was supposed to come out last year, but because of the delays, because of 2020, mm -hmm. obviously that didn't happen. So I was excited to actually see this film, and it's not a bad film. Hmm. In fact, uh, the action scenes, I thought it had some of the best superhero fight scenes I've seen in any film in a long time. Marvel, you need to step up. <laughs> uh, the music was top-notch. Uh, the acting was good for what it was. The writing needed some work. Hmm. I, there's a lot, I still have a lot of questions, a lot more questions about Shin Kamen Rider, uh, Kamen Rider's writing than I had for Mirai, by the way, which doesn't mean I didn't like the film. It's just yeah. like, oh, you could have tightened this up a little bit, actually explained some of this stuff before it just happened, which granted Shin Ultraman kind of just had stuff just happen too, but because of the air of mystery around everything, it kind of worked better, but this is more grounded. Kind of all the cards are on the table from the beginning of the film. So the fact that we just jump from person to uh, jump from uh, enemy to enemy, to enemy kind of just very quickly just kind of just throws me off. So that's my thoughts on Shin Kamen Rider. Great. It was a fun film. We'll probably still want to keep uh, buy it for my collection. Mm -hmm. 
but of the three, I think it was the weakest of the three. Uh-huh. Ironically, it started off. It, it for me is actually goes Godzilla, Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, Shin Common Rider, mm. in terms of quality. Gotcha. Which is ironically the same order they came out in, and I don't know what that, if that is coincidental or not. But other than that, the hmm. only other thing I've had a chance to watch was the second episode of season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, because I've tr- got to get through that before season two starts at the end of the month. Fair. I'm going to have to step it up. Anywho. Uh, was Little Mermaid the only thing? Yes. All right. Then, Jacob, my next, I, I'm curious now what we have in the news. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. All right. Why, thank you, Dealit. And going into the news... Oddly enough, I was looking at the very end of my news and it mentioned The Little Mermaid and it still didn't click earlier that I actually watched the film in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my girlfriend. Shame, 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 yeah, shame, exactly. shame. Well, totally it wasn't Tulsa, but it was Broken broken Arrow, but nuance. Uh, so uh, speaking of movies that are coming to theaters, um, there's been a new trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Um uh, that'll be coming out August 2nd. I'm um, looking forward to it. It looks interesting. The uh, the design, the way it's animated looks very good. Uh, I'm just, I'm curious where they're going with it because when they first talked about it, or at least Seth Rogen talked about it, it's like, oh, the, the turtles go to school. I'm like, oh, please no. These turtles do not need to go to school or they get turned into human and, you know, it's like, no, we just do, do a turtle need, story. We do not need this to be a Dragon Ball evolution with turtles. Yes, thank you very much. But it looks good, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so a, a a film that I know that be like we're both looking forward to and getting able to watch is uh, Spider Man Across Spider Verse. Came uh, out today. It came out today. Uh, it is getting uh, glowing reviews across the board uh, right now. High praise from critics and earning uh, earning earning um, eager uh, eager awaited by fans. Uh, it is right now be like, it's already made $17.35 million just on its Thursday night release. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just that. Just, just wait, just wait people to see mm-hmm. what this movie does. So, uh, to just, to, just to, uh, put that in perspective, uh, it is now the highest grossing, uh, I think it's the either it's the highest grossing film, highest grossing. Uh, no, let me back up. Uh, this sets as the second best preview night performance of an animated feature, right behind uh, Disney Pixar's Incredible Two, uh, which premiered at eighteen point five million dollars and would earn up to one point sixty four million dollars worldwide, uh, bumping. Disney Pixar's Story, Story, Toy Story 2 to number 3 which earned 12 million for an for the for the approximate rate. Uh so other than that uh the live action Little Mermaid is in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh it is looking to um 
it's breaking its budget right now, but there's conflicting stories of is it doing well? Is it doing terrible? Uh, I've seen where it's it's already made five million dollars. I've seen where it's only it's made its budget back, and uh, I've seen where people have gone to extremes of like really be like oh because they don't talk about this so we want them to talk about this but you can't talk about this in any positive light it's a good night just go enjoy the movie or go watch the movie for what it is and not expect everything because there 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 is this big thing going on right now with this film because like some people got upset because they they cast an African American woman. Oh please, to, this is in the Caribbean. I I'm, I live yeah. with it now. Yeah, it's in the Caribbean. I was a little concerned with it the first time I, I saw the stuff, yeah. thinking, oh, they're getting woke or something. Yeah. But the more I've watched, it's like, oh, no, this is a, this is in the Caribbean. It works. Yeah. And so let it go. And so let um, it go, folks. Let it go. And apparently, like even to go further, is people are now. I, like, I have my own issues with the film, but yeah, we'll hear that on our reactions episode. Yes. So kind of diving into that a little bit there, there have been articles written and I, I read one of them, which is the most ridiculous thing in the planet because be like ever since some people were upset because they didn't show because back in the day, be like in the Caribbean, be like people were not treated. Well, there was slavery back in the day. Cause that's an historical the point of the film. Exactly. Cause they're, they're, they're showing everyone's like getting along kumbaya be like, no, they actually wanted to see this people. is a fictional country. You're telling me you want me to show slavery in your fictional country? Yeah. That's trying not to die? Yeah, that's what some people let's, think. Let's just save more of that for the reaction yeah, episode. Exactly. Talk about it here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I got for him for uh, news. I'm surprised you missed one thing. What did I miss? The Super Mario Brothers movie surpassed Frozen. That's right. It did. Yeah. It hasn't passed Frozen 2 yet. It's past Frozen. It's past Frozen, which makes it, if you don't count mm-hmm. the live action Lion King film, mm. which apparently Wikipedia does, uh. <laughs> it's the third most, it's, it's, it's made, it's the third, it's a movie that's made the third most anime. Right. It's number three. Yeah. Overall of overall money made in the box office. Yes. For an animated film. Yeah, it is the third. It's made the third most money. It's still got to beat Frozen Two, mm-hmm. and I think Incredibles. Yeah, Incredibles Two. Incredibles Two. Yeah, yeah. In order to get it, so it's all that's obviously have slowed a little in the past couple of months since it came out or past couple of weeks since it came out on digital. Digital. So I mean, there's going to be a lot more people who have watched it who aren't going who mm-hmm. would not go to a theater anyway. Yeah, but here's hoping you're yeah. hoping that it's not that I don't like those films. But it's like, you know, mm. Disney needs to be brought down a peg. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying I, I, no I matter what your feelings about Disney, they do need to be brought down a peg. Yeah. I agree. And having the minions company, having Mario do that. Yeah. This makes perfect sense because technically there was a time when they, when they had figured out that more kids of our generation uh-huh. knew who Mario was than who Mickey Mouse was. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Hey, I like Disney. Don't get me wrong. I'm not happy with them this month, but <laughs> then I'm not happy with a lot of companies this right. month. Too much pandering. Anywho. That's all I have for the news. All right. Then why don't we talk about some X-Men? 
previously on X-Men. Sulky, over-bulky, kinda hulky superhero Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero A viral Official guys, name more is rated X. <laughs> Amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Men season five again again totally uh, season three yeah that's yeah, because that's the thing if you if you missed last week uh and you're listening to this one and season three the episodes start getting made out of order yeah a little bit in the order they're supposed to take place in, and we're following chronological order yes. which is the order that's on disney plus yes so our first one is long shot from originally aired on October 5th, 1996. It was directed by Frank Squillens and Fred Miller. In this episode, Mojo uses Jubilee as a prize to lure Longshot and the X-Men into a deadly contest, which Mojo broadcasts live to raise ratings. Didn't he have a problem with that last time? <laughs> Mojo does not learn his lesson. Apparently, He's like worse like, than Coon. Very worse than Coon. In this episode, we've got Spiral and Ricochet Rita being played by Cynthia Bellevue, Gog being played by Howard Jerome, hmm. the Major Domo being played by John Neville, Mojo himself is being played by Peter Wildman, and Longshot was played by Rod Wilson. Hmm. In this episode, uh, trivia for this episode, when Spiral comments on the big purple lizard. Mojo responds that the kids will love it. A clear <laughs> reference to Barney the Dinosaur. Dinosaur? Dinosaur? What's a dinosaur? I don't know. What is a dinosaur? I'm keeping that in. Barney yes. the Dinosaur from Barney and Friends, 1992. Not the first cameo from a popular franchise. We'll get this season. Yes. Camp Cretaceous is a play on Jurassic Park. The T-Rex and Raptors even make the exact same sounds as their movie counterparts. They do. This aired, aired bleh, this originally aired during season five. This episode was actually intended to take place during season three between Phoenix Saga Part Five, Child of Light, and Savage Land Strange Heart mm -hmm. Part One. Though it uses the season five version of the opening credits, the animation and art style is closer to season three than the lower quality style used in season five. Due to the absence of Cyclops, Scott Summers, the events must take may take place concurrently with No Mutant as an Island. Disney Plus lists this episode as season three, episode 10, which is where we put it. Mm -hmm. 
This episode features a new version of theme song accompanying re-edit opening sequence. Sorry, mentioned that. This is the debut of Gog, Quark, and the Warwolves, which are metallic, organic, dog-like minions of Mojo. Mm-hmm. In other words, if the Silver Surfer had dogs. What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, my God. I couldn't get past the animation. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I was watching I this. I was cringing. And, was, and I'm watching Mojo, which Mojo did not transition yeah. well to this style. No, he didn't. Everybody else transitioned okay. Yeah, fine. Mojo, but, on the other hand, he reminded me of Mother Brain from Captain N. Yes, the oh my gosh, yes. Oh my but, word. Yeah, so... Uh, He's just not being played by uh, by Audrey 2 from uh, yes. Shop of Horrors. Yes. Which, honestly, switch that out. I kind of want to see that. <laughs> but the... Uh, he is a mean green person yeah, from outer space yes agreed but he's more yellow than anything in this heart style he yeah he is more yellow but uh yeah long shot has made his way to earth and he he and has amnesia amnesia for some reason it's never explained why he has amnesia, amnesia at all he just has amnesia also why isn't that one shot was spiral if that's apparently her name i.e the lady who pirouettes to cause Transdimensional yeah. travel. Yeah. Why did she was she a prune in that one shot until uh Mojo grabbed her and made her young again? Did I miss something? Well, apparently Mo- Mojo absorbs his mutant power is absorbing people's life force or energy. That's his power. I just assumed he was a mean green mother from outer space who needed to make good TV ratings. <laughs> good one good one i agree <laughs> it makes sense but uh so oh my gosh that's what i understand is mojo's powers is absorbing other people's life force or energy uh so all i know is the more mojo comes up the more i wish i didn't see him <laughs> yeah agreed agreed so there's the oh my gosh there's so many animation errors throughout this entire episode oh, and this is the, well, the next episode is actually where as a worse one yeah we'll get to it Oh, so I, I'm trying to remember with this one. Is it this one or the next one where Jubilee loses her coat? It's this one. Okay. And what's you. weird is she, you see her in the cube, no coat. Yeah. Thinking, oh, this is the first time I've seen Jubilee without her yellow, uh, trademark yellow coat. Yeah. It's like, that's weird. And then you get to another scene after she's escaped from the thing. All of a sudden she's fighting in her yellow coat. So I'm thinking, oh, she must have picked it up. Two seconds later, the coat's gone again. It's like, Guys, pay attention to what you're doing. Please. No, no, no. They established they establish it in the show where Wolverine has her coat. So why did she have the coat? I, I, I missed that because there's parts yeah. of this I'm watching going, this is just weird. This is what? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, because there's there's one scene be like you see the scene. Why, before, th- why where... does Wolverine look like discount store John Wayne? Thank you. <laughs> I was like, what in the world is going on? So like they, they set up where Wolverine has her coat. And then throughout the entire scene, like you see little like little animations where like she has her coat, she has off. And there's one scene where be like it's Mojo versus Longshot, mm-hmm. and where she's underneath the tree for two to three frames, she has her coat, and the next frame she comes back, she didn't have the coat on. Right. The, the, y'all paying attention to what you're doing here. Or, or Jubilee is running back and forth to try to get the coat from Wolverine and then runs back and gives it back. 
between takes, between frames. <laughs> Good night. I can understand this in like a live action film, mm-hmm. kind of, where they, uh, you know, they they took it had multiple shots for the scene, yeah. and then one the the guy editing just missed that the costume was different. Yeah, I can see this in a live action film. Yeah. I cannot see this in an animated film. Why are you not people not paying attention? Fair. And what, what, like, what was it? What, like, Wolverine's colors changed throughout it? Be like, he he's not wearing a belt at one point? Uh, yeah, and a couple other things, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Rogue was weird in this episode. Yes, agreed. And Hank does not look good in this art style no, either. No, he doesn't. Saying. Oh my gosh, he looks more like an ape than a, like a, a furry beast. Uh, they... Mojo got it right when he said the big, the, 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 the man yeah. with a brilliant mind in the side of a giant blue gorilla. Yeah. Like he's not a gorilla. He's more Mojo, a beast is going to go all wookie on you in a minute. Mojo, if you're not <laughs> tear your arms off, except yeah, he does kind of look like a giant ape in this form. He does he, in this art style. He does. Uh, and the, the animation is so choppy with like, what are they? Well, what are they on threes? <laughs> No, no, they were on twos. The difference is we're used to the Jim Lee art style, mm-hmm. which they are trying to do here. Yeah. But they have obviously simplified it a lot. Yeah. And I was reading, at least when we get to the rest of season five, yeah, that that's when they supposedly went to a style matching uh, something Joe Matarata was doing. Joe Matarata, yeah. yeah. Where it was more just anime influenced. Yes. And I'm like, I saw some of those shots. I go, no, it's not. No, it's <laughs> that's not. not what you're copying. That, you that are was, just being cheap. Yeah, well, that was the plan, but it was like it, that was it, the plan. You threw, and they just went you for this. Failed style. spectacularly. Yeah, exactly. This it's definitely like, does not look like mad art. Uh, this is so. Here's the thing. I was when I was watching this, I'm thinking. I got to realizing the reason this. I don't. I, I, this looks worse to me. Hmm. Is not. The animation itself, because the animation is concurrent with other cartoons of that day. Fair. SWAT Cats was animated similar to what yeah, we were saying. SWAT Cats. I love me some but SWAT Cats. You have to admit, that was being animated in the same style. Animaniacs yeah. was kind of being animated in yeah. this kind of style, for lack yeah. of a better term. A, a lot, of, a lot, a lot like, of major cartoons were. Yeah. X-Men did, was not made on this look. No. And I was doing some more reading. The animation company that... Uh, Marvel was forced to use for, or Simon was forced to use for this, yeah, because of how low their budget. Yeah, they actually also did some work on Batman the Animated Series, mm-hmm. and the staff of Batman the Animated Series said that this company was the worst one they had th- that they had to farm episodes out mm-hmm. to. And this is the one they had to use throughout all, all five seasons, but they uh, but the character designer changed in season five because they needed to want they wanted a simpler art style that was cheaper to animate. Yeah, I get it Ugh. because the yeah. Jim Lee art. I can't imagine. You can tell there's times throughout all this where they are not animating the Jim Lee art well. Yeah. Throughout most, throughout parts of this, parts of the show. And it's still one of the cheapest shows, I think, for X Men that was ever made. Yeah. But good night. This looks, this does not bode well for season five. I knew season five was going to be bad. Yeah. But oh my word. Yeah. This is going to get really bad. Mm. Agreed. So, next one. Uh, yeah. Or did you have more thoughts? No, on I just, this was a the bad re- episode. The return of Mojo. Well, the return of Mojo. I'm, I'm more like, can we go back to that? That I think it was like season two, season two, where Mojo vision. Yeah. Mojo vision. Season yeah. Two. Which we got plenty of shots from, from this. And then, and then the, uh, the all 
be like, oh, Jubilee has, you know, feelings for Longshot and he just disappears. Or he he disappoint disappears into the he's he's gotta go back to Mojo World to protect his people. I'm thinking, why? Yeah. I know nothing about Mojo's world other than it's based on TV ratings and that Mojo is for some reason in charge. Yeah. But why do you have to go back? You escaped. Why? Yeah. And so what is Longshot's actual powers? He can see the future or he's lucky. I can't tell he's, which. He's lucky. There was a one point where he was looking at he was looking at Jubilee's coat. Yeah. Trying to determine if he could see her a future for her. Yeah, which was weird because that's so not his like, power. What are you talking it's about? This is I can't I can't tell a future for her. It's like you couldn't tell a future for Wolverine, and he's the least likely to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was just like, what in the world? It's like, I understand they're trying to set up where Jubilee has more romantic interest in right. trying to and, get Jubilee and, and more into the story. And I admittedly, despite the fact that Jubilee was made for this cartoon, yes, they've done very little with her character throughout this whole thing. She is, she did more in the first two episodes, the Night, Night of the Sentinels, Sentinels, which is literally her replacing Kitty Pride. Yeah, because mm -hmm. <laughs> that still should have been Kitty Pride, in my opinion. Yeah, but. Mm, <laughs> Jubilationly, I know why the comics turned you into a vampire. <laughs> I remember hearing about that, or what? Like, reading I know why they did it because you had nothing else to do. Yeah. You're almost you're you're worse than Dazzler. Oh, Which I think Dazzler's coming up. Yeah, Dazzler. I was looking through episode titles. Like, oh no, Dazzler's coming up. Oh yeah, uh, the the, the, char the the character who which was designed initially for a movie. So they made a, a live action movie. A live action that Marvel movie. was funding. Yes. So that they can make a comic book off of it. Yeah. And they were going to, even in that movie, connect it to X-Men. Yeah. Why? <laughs> and the movie Dazzler fell through. And then you got Dazzler. The concept of Dazzler is stupid. <laughs> she's a musician, which means she's has songs and elements where she sings. And you're going to read about that in a comic book with no way to hear her songs. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Granted, I heard they were also going to have a record and pay some singer to actually portray yes. her on the record, uh -huh. but that never happened. Oh, my gosh. That 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 reminds me of uh, uh, Garth Brooks back in the late 90s. It's like, how did you think Garth Brooks was going to play Dazzler? That's no. I never accepted that. <laughs> No, uh, so Garth Brooks got was in. He was working with. I think it was a ba the 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 uh, musician Babyface. Back okay, in the I don't know who that is, but okay. Uh, he was like an R and B performer. So he he was directing this country, movie called R and B. Yeah, country R and B. That doesn't mix until you get to two thousand one when they quit making country. <laughs> But nuance. So Garth was going to be in this movie called The Lamb, where he was going to play an older, older version of a character called Chris Gaines. So Garth decided, hey, this would be a great idea. I can make the pre the pre soundtrack to this. So he made the soundtrack. The movie never came out, and he got stuck with it. <laughs> so it sounds like Dazzler. <laughs> hey, it could be worse. At least it wasn't was it Scarecrow that that last album he made under his old contract. Yeah. The Scarecrow, yeah, under Capital, yeah, yeah, that's a dumb album. I don't even like Garth Brooks, and I say that's a dumb album. 
That was an album he put out to prove that he could release absolute garbage and then make and it would sell. Yeah, I, I agree, disagree, but nuance. But I'm, I'm just saying it's not his best work. I yeah, because most of it's just covers. Yeah, yeah, and it's sold. Yeah, and that and anyway. Yeah, not talking about Barf Brooks. <laughs> rough, rough. <laughs> Cold Comfort first yes, Cold aired. Comfort. First aired on February fourth, nineteen ninety five. Not quite. Back to <laughs> not quite uh, the episodes. We're, we yeah. are still technically because here's the thing: it the aired wise, it went from Dark Phoenix Saga episode five, yes, to next the ones we're reviewing next week, which was uh, Savage uh, two uh, two parter Savage, yeah, Savage Land, Land episode, yeah. whatever the name of we're it. We're finally is. going back to Savage Land. Maybe we'll get some explanation as to what's going on at the Savage Land. Yeah. Cause I don't know what happened in the comics and I'm kind of, cause I kind of want the comic, the show to tell me mm. please. Uh, but all of that, those aired back to back, but yeah. not aired back to back. It was like, a, it was, there were the two episodes that aired in sequence yes. anyway. And then the episodes we reviewed last week and the episode we're reviewing this week are spread out across mm. season three and season five, Jeez. but they all were supposed to happen right here. Wow. Iceman. I'm oh, sorry. It was directed by Larry Houston. Yes. Iceman, a former X-Men, is caught sneaking into a federal warehouse. He is captured by his former team, but Jubilee tries to help him. Of course. Guest cast for this includes Jesse Collins as Iceman, a.k.a. Bobby Drake. Mm -hmm. Mark Strange as Forge. And Ho Chow as Katana. We do not know who voiced the daughter of... Uh, a certain magnetic superhero film yeah. we'll get to in a minute or um, any of the other characters. In this or, there's a lot of characters or havoc, <laughs> which I swear did sound like uh, the guy who voices Cyclops. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's who did it. Okay. That would make sense. That would make sense. Despite the fact they do nothing with it. Yeah. Outside the warehouse, oh, getting into the trivia, outside the warehouse at the beginning is a sign that says Kirby Glenn storage mm -hmm. depot. Yes. Number 1917. This is a reference to Jack Kirby, the co-creator of the X-Men comic books. 1917 was the year of his birth. Mm. Also, we get a number of shots when looking at Bobby Drake's history mm -hmm. of uh, the 1960s era team. Including yes, we do. Old designs for Cyclops. Mm -hmm. Old designs for Jean Grey. Marvel Girl. A, yeah, Marvel Girl at the time. A hairless beast, mm -hmm. which... That's an interesting design. I'm yes, it say. is. And also, we get to see them fighting. I am Magneto, master of magnet. <laughs> Which raises an interesting question in terms of continuity. <laughs> Why does Cyclops and Beast and Jean Grey not recognize him in the first season? <laughs> And why does the Professor Xavier act like I haven't seen this man in 30 years? Yes, saw him two weeks ago, <laughs> according to this footage. Oh, that's great. That's I great. know that's not meant to be taken seriously. <laughs> but that's, still. But still, I'm like, <laughs> first season, they introduce this character like he's been in the shadows for 50 years since last time Professor Xavier saw him. Uh, back when Xavier could still walk. Yeah. <laughs> and 
It's like, no, we fought it. The old team fought him like 20 years ago, 10 years, 10 years ago before the current team, who's been obviously been fighting with Xavier for years, mm-hmm. joined, started up. Yeah. Why does Wolverine not recognize him? Because Wolverine was a part of the original team. <laughs> and you're telling me somehow, well, okay. Admittedly, I do think Magneto did take a long hiatus yeah. before this technically starts taking place in continuity yeah. even though this doesn't actually line up this show does not line up directly with a particular era of x-men yes other than after giant size x-men yes obviously phoenix saga and dark phoenix saga yeah it lines up kind of in there but it also pulls from like different eras so it doesn't quite add up okay either way okay so just why little- did magnet i did you people not know who magneto was Okay, it's so the beginning it, of the show. So interesting side note. So while uh, while my girlfriend, her mother, and I were in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. we visited Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, so we went to a uh, went to a Costco because they love Costco, and it was like, hey, be like, I like toys. Can we go to the shop? Sure, no problem. Didn't buy anything. So there next door there was a comic book shop. So me and Ashley went in there and looked around it's like oh my gosh this is a different kind of comic shop so speaking of giant size x-men they had a copy of giant size x-men number one in the uh i guess you would call the 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 plexi the glass yeah it was worth over fifty five thousand dollars yeah that's a little out of my price range yeah a little bit you know you can read that cheaper yeah comiXology comiXology <laughs> easy but yeah, a little it, bit cheaper. A little also bit not, cheaper. Not worth anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not like the original print run of Giant Size X Men. Yeah, the second appearance of Wolverine. Yeah, I just I saw that cover too, and it was yeah. it was worth probably it, like two hundred thousand. Wolverine actually originally showed up in a Hulk comic. Book yes, he did in a lot uglier looking costume. Yeah, it was a bit odd. <laughs> it was a bit gently improved that costume yeah. a lot. Oh, I agree. I agree. Even though it does look like two Batman kissing. <laughs> You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we do get uh, a certain brother of a certain one-eyed laser firing guy who's been a part of the show and should have noticed who Magneto was. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> you fought him before. You fought him before. And I like, and uh, the funny thing about We've talked about Havoc yeah. a couple times yeah. because I was I knew that Cyclops's brother showed up some point around here. I didn't know yeah. when the character was originally created. Yeah. And I knew he showed up in X-Men Evolution. Mm-hmm. I remember that episode, but I had no idea he showed up here. Huh. And I liked the fact that they fight uh, Cyclops and Havoc fight each other, but their blasts, which are technically the same type of energy, do not affect each other because, of course, it wouldn't. Yeah, because it's it's only it's only playing the background. Yeah, it's it's not the foreground of what's going on. But you see well, it. It's, it's, one, just like, it's one scene. It is one quick scene. Yeah, they are firing each other. Nothing happens, and Cyclops is going, "Why can't I hurt you? I wonder." Cyclops, Scott. You have met two family members this season. You don't even and know you it. Don't you? How do you not recognize your own DNA? Your own father? Come on! I mean, like granted, yeah. your father looked like Will Riker. 
<laughs> and he should have been played by him. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Because that would have worked so great. I'm sorry. It would have. I, I could just hear Xanatos talking as... <laughs> I'm just imagining... I'm sorry. I'm imagining... <laughs> what is his name? Um, his father's name. Um, leader of the Star Jammer. Oh, um, um, Corsair. Corsair. I'm imagining Corsair walking onto the bridge of his ship, getting oh, ready no. to sit down in a chair and lifting his leg to go all the way over it and then sits down. <laughs> I just can see it now. Yeah. In the same way that as a child, I knew that if they ever cast a live action Professor Xavier, Picard had to play him. <laughs> so he being his... Yeah, never mind. I didn't know many other bald actors at the time. <laughs> hey, this was before the era of Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yes. Granted, I don't think either one of them could play Xavier either. <laughs> that would be really interesting, though, to see Vin Diesel, a.k.a. Uh, not, not Vin Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel, because yeah. he plays, uh, he, what's his face, in Fast Furious, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I could Perfect. see him sitting in that yellow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yellow uh, wheelchair going, we must defeat Magneto. This is not a good movie. We must defeat Magneto. And you turn over and Magneto is being played by, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, He just left. What is is the actor? Oh, what the heck? Chris Pratt. (laughs) Chris Pratt? Chris Pratt plays everybody else? He could play... No, no, oh, Chris yeah. Pratt has to play, uh, not Wolverine, but has to play Beast. <laughs> Chris Pratt's playing Beast. Oh, no. And uh, who would be playing Wolverine in this instance? Oh, no, let's face it, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> of course. Danny DeVito. Yes, that's what we need. <laughs> Super fat Wolverine. <laughs> hey, he's the right physical size. Yeah, he's short. He's short. He's too round, but he's short. <laughs> Oh, there go. But I think we got on a tangent. No kidding. <laughs> you think? All right. Uh, and who is playing the juggernaut? That actually would be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> why? Because why not? <laughs> anyway. Do you smell what the juggernaut's <laughs> you smell what the juggernaut's cooking? <laughs> because it's his own sweat. Do you know how hot it is in this stainless in, in this in this uh, cast iron suit? Why am I wearing cast iron? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anyway, we're we're going to look cold comfort. Yes, cold comfort. The return of Iceman, the last remaining member of the uh, original team who has not shown up on this show yet. Yes. Ironically, because Angel was a part of the original team in the comics, and he had no idea who the X-Men were when he showed up, because they immediately turned him into Archangel, and they had to introduce him for that story, and he was not an X-Men. No, he never was. In this this show. Yeah, in this show. But yet, Bobby Drake was. Mm -hmm. It's like, but Bobby Drake is the worst character. (laughs) But it could have been worse. It's not Morph. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's not Morph. Thank goodness Morph is not shown back up. Ugh, brother. I have I kept expecting, oh yeah, Morph's back mm-hmm. in season two. And he's 
plays a big part through all season two, even though he's in the background for the most part. And then at the end, it's like, where'd Morph go? <laughs> is he going? Is Mr. Sinister driving him crazy down in Strange World? In Mo- oh, he got transported to Mojo World. That's why. Oh, happened. no, no. Just enough he's, with Morph. He's been playing uh, Star Lord. That is not his name. Star Lord? <laughs> no. Uh, long Shot? Long Shot. He's been playing Long Shot while Long Shot's been leading the revolution. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, guys, I think we have gone nuts. Yeah, I think we have. Do you have anything to add before we finish this? Uh, no, uh, the, the only thing I can think of this episode is four uh, episodes have been the goofiest ones. I agree. And it's I think it's screwing us goofy. Uh, this episode was interesting. Oh, let me think. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think with still breathing. Uh, it was interesting. Again, it was uh jubilee gets a crush on a guy he has to go away again it's like jubilee just can't get a break with anybody uh and then it was like oh x-force was it's a it's a government run facility and be like oh this sounds like good training it's like yeah get your own men killed by facing the x-men good job (laughs) also we did actually get to see quicksilver this was his debut also yeah he never says anything. He but never says anything. And guess who? Has, and and Wanda is not nowhere to be seen. Exactly. Why are we leaving out Wanda, mm. X-Men? Did you not see what happens when you think you've ignored her? Yeah. In the in another show <laughs> where she lost the love of her life. Yeah. A, a talking robot mm-hmm. who's not going to show up in the show. Anyway. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what Wanda what Wanda's doing right now for now that now that her brother Pietro is in the show, mm. even if it was one episode. Either way, next week we are going to be see, finally getting back to regular schedule of the of these episode releases, and be watching Savage Land, Savage Hearts one and two. Mm. So join us for that. And then do you know what happens in the following four episodes? The Dark Phoenix Saga. Yes. And now, and now I'm curious when Savage Land Part Two ends. Are we going to get to see a return of the oh my dumbest gosh. graphic someone yes. has ever put on screen? Yes. Oh my gosh, no! Oh, that was so horrible. Anyway, join us next week for that. You have anything to add before we get out of here? <laughs> Can we just get the Dark Phoenix Saga, please? <laughs> almost, almost there. Patience, almost. Grasshopper. Patience. In the meantime. This has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher. Spotify. Or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. 
The Cell Cast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. You know, it's just like Mojo said. It ain't over till the fat man sings. The hills are alive with the sound of music.